What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 16 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts and if you like it please leave us a nice review this is april 27th 2021 i'm your host lewis menchaca and i'm joined today by my co-host mr troy bracy yes yes let's do this talk these oscars let's go <laughs> yeah that's like the big talk of the, of the town right now but uh you know what troy i gotta say for some odd reason i know it's only been a week since we last did the show but for some odd reason i don't know if it's because i've been hella busy but i feel like it's been a long ass time since i last talked to you i don't know if well, you feel the same yeah i not. feel the, i feel the same way i felt like i like man was it two weeks ago since we did the last <laughs> podcast Damn. hell no but we've been on time but like it just feels like a forever ago i don't know why like yeah it, it, like it was kind of funny falcon and the winter soldier happened on friday and it feels like that's old news it feels so like already yeah. like like not even a it's not even a topic of conversation anymore and i don't know why funny, and what's funny is like i'm like the the podcast before last i missed the episode and i and i still didn't feel that way when i last week <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah that is true that is true so yeah uh the falcon and the winter soldier they just it just had its finale uh we were having impressions leading up to it talking about like, how it needs to stick the landing and uh i'm not gonna lie i feel mixed about it like okay there are things that i liked about it and i overall i'm i'm more positive than negative like generally speaking i liked where all of the characters ended out as far as like this is where this is where they end, and this is where now there there's uh there's openings for what can heck what can come next. You know what I mean? Like okay, there's there's uh there's an opening. There's like a like a path forward for uh you know U.S. agent. There's a path forward for Sharon Carter. You know there's a path forward for for uh, the Falcon or that now the new Captain America. You know what I mean? Like there's I like where they where the chess pieces ended up in for the future, but overall like how they got there, it just doesn't feel like it emotionally resonates with me. Mm. So, I don't yeah. know. What do you think? What did you think of the finale? Well, I, I you know, I actually kind of disagree. I think they did stick to landing, you know. Um I I actually felt the opposite kind of how I felt about um like how basically about the show, I felt like the show was all right, you know, for me. But I felt like if they stick to landing with the last episode, and really the last two episodes cuz last episode was fire too, the 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 episode before. Um I, I was like, okay, this really can make the show go from uh, okay to really good, you know. And for me, they stuck to landing, you know. I think like I look at stuff like the speech that uh, yeah. that that uh, Captain or Falcon or the new Captain America had at the end, you know. That speech was was fantastic, and then it was set up by the meeting he had with the with the old the black guy, you know, the old black guy, and uh, I see Bradley. Yeah, yeah, and and really to me that last episode hit a deep, um, like a deep level of character, and you know a deep theme thematically. It 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 just did something to me that the show just kind of lacked for me. It felt but like this, a, a catharsis if you think about right, it. Like right, uh, it, yeah, for when sure. When Falcon was uh, giving him memorial uh, to to Isaiah Bradley, you know, he yeah. like he hugged him, and they right. It definitely felt like there was like. 
you know, Disney was out here trying to help heal the world or something, you know? Yeah, and that's why and that's why I was so impressed by it. Like, Disney, you know, and I mean, and they've done it before, but they really went there. Like, they had the balls to go there and make the show kind of get deep, really, when they really didn't have to do that. And so, for me, it just worked. It worked. The action was phenomenal, but the slower scenes was phenomenal as well. So, as something like the uh, previous uh marvel show wandavision i felt like that show was fantastic but didn't quite stick to landing i felt the opposite with this show where this show was to me just okay but it stuck to landing very well so that's just how i feel about it yeah like okay for me personally like uh there were just i have more nitpicks like you know what i mean like i right i I, like i said overall like i'm positive on it right but Mm -hmm. like uh like my nitpick like one big nitpick that comes to mind is is uh you know john walker you know we're gonna act like we weren't fighting him last episode you know what i mean like yeah it was a a bit weak i mean it was a bit like uh, but the one thing i did like about that was they didn't go the predictable route, you know. They didn't go the route of, oh, I'm the villain bad you know? guy yeah. now, yeah. And now I'm finna. It's He's like an oh, antihero, if anything, yeah. Right, so. yeah. So I agree with you. They did just kind of like change it, but I, I could kind of go with that because he never quite became a bad guy. They kind of just had a difference of opinion and they fought. In the last episode, but he never was like, all right, I'm a bad guy now. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I can understand, you know, he come in to help and they like, all right, well, we could use you. And then they, you know, work together. So for me, it was like that wasn't really a big problem. And like I said, I like the fact that they didn't go to predictable. I'm the bad Captain America now. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, so I don't know. I was all right with it. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it was definitely uh, like for me. Like the his character growth was sort of like kind of like sped run in the last episode because yeah. whenever he was wielding in the post credit scene of the last episode he was he yeah. was forging the new his Captain America shield and yeah. it kind of felt very dark and very like ooh like it's so edgy and stuff like that but yeah. then when he's actually uh, trying to like you know. Uh, do the right thing and you know you can actually even see like how they're doing the little jump cut where like they like focused in on his eyes and he's yeah. looking at the car about to fall over and then yeah. he's looking at Carly or, or what's her name with the flag smasher uh, yeah and he's like oh shit uh, and you know obviously they're doing that <laughs> thing where he's like you know growing and making the right decision but it kind of felt yeah. like they were just sort of speed running that last yeah, bit it, it, felt a little for, it felt a little forced and I, I think Part of that reason why is like his arc really happened at the very last episode, so they kind of had to <laughs> rush it, right? You know what I mean? When they probably maybe should have did what they did at five, they should have maybe did it in episode four, and then you could have had five and then six to kind of, but the the arc was just kind of like rushed. But you know, yeah, like you said, nitpick. You know what I mean? It wasn't really uh, nothing that was terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like I said, like my my my. My first, my first thing I said is I liked where they ended up. So I like yeah, where yeah. I like where they placed him. You know, he's like U.S. agent, and so he's sort of like on the DL working yeah. for the government, but he's doing like you know like black ops, you know, kind of shit. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. You know, and, and I like and for me, like my biggest problem with the episode and like this, and I'm I acknowledge this is like strict, straight up, just an opinion thing. Like it, it's it's just my opinion. It's not really something critical that I I could you know give the show, but. For me, I've never been a fan of people taking up the mantle of other characters. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've never been a fan. Like, I, that's why I've never been really big on, like, Batman Beyond. Or, like, I don't like the idea of it being, like, a new Black Panther. Like, who's going to be the new pa- Black Panther type of thing. I always feel like I like the character to have their own identity. So, like, when Falcon, you know, became, 
uh, the new Captain America to me. I, I, I just I personally don't like that. Like now, his suit was badass, and I felt like it was justified based off the story. So I understand why they did it. Like it wasn't just out of left field. Like I'm new Captain America. It, it they set it up. But just my personal opinion, I never liked the idea of someone taking on someone else's you know mantle or identity or whatever so that's just my personal opinion and that that's really like the biggest problem i had with this episode which says a lot that you know this episode was fantastic yeah yeah so overall um now let's go back to what what dallas said uh, uh over or under uh wandavision uh under yeah under <laughs> I, I like 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 don't get me wrong like for me I would prefer a show to be consistently good throughout the entire series and then somewhat drop the ball at the end than the show be okay but very, like, delivers very well. You see what I'm saying? And so, like, I personally think, like, you know, WandaVision had more character, more depth. Uh, it was a, a new more surprise. Yeah. A new surprise each episode. Uh, Twists and turns. It wasn't predictable. It was very ambitious and new and daring, like, idea. And, like, for me, I just felt like they made the characters feel powerful. Like, you were scared of Wanda and what she can do, you know? And you could envision he was a badass. Where in this, you know, in this show, it was kind of more predictable, boring at times, uh, not everything justified properly. And uh, Captain America, I mean, and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier got their ass whooped a lot. So it made them feel <laughs> somewhat like B-listers, you know, like instead of like making them feel like A-list, like since this their show, like they're A-listers, they kind of just kept feeling like B-listers because they got their ass whooped so much. And Falcon so, and Winter Soldier kind of felt like they were being side-chicked in their own show. Yes, and that's how <laughs> I felt. Like, and that's one of the problems I have with this show because, listen, the reality is Falcon and Winter Soldier in the Marvel movies, they are one of the B-list like characters. They don't mean they're they're whack characters or none of that, but they are. You're not gonna put them like with Spider Man and or Iron Man, uh, you know, yeah. Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America. Like they're B-listers, but when you give them their own show, that's when they're supposed to shine and feel like an A-list character to the point where maybe you say, well, damn, maybe they are A-listers, you know, like like how you do with Wanda. You know, Wanda counts as a B-list character too, but she's so powerful and she becomes so badass. At the end of this, you say, man, I can see her being one of the main, you know, and like with this, I'm like, man, they're getting their ass whooped and they're like B-listers in their, on their show. Like, you know, <laughs> like you said. So, you know, that's one of the things I was just like, uh, even even if you think about it, like even um, when Falcon became Captain America, he was still getting his ass whooped against a normal dude, like a regular guy. <laughs> like, remember that fight? Bad it truck. lasted so yeah. long and he didn't even and like he really didn't win the fight. He just flew off. I'm like, yeah, really? Bad truck, yeah. I, yeah, call him, I, I call him Bardock. Way back, well, like, but it was Batrock. <laughs> it's Batrock. Uh, yeah, Batrock yeah. the Leaper. Right. But I was just like, dude, like beat this dude's ass. Like, what are you doing? Like. <laughs> So, but yeah, but anyway, that's nitpick. I still think the show's a good show, though. Like, by any means, I don't think the show was bad. I think it it did end up having more depth than I thought it would. I like the action when it was action, and I do feel like Falcon and Bucky, the, you know, the the actors that play them, they just do a good job. They just know those characters, and you know, and so overall you have fun with the show. It's a good show. You know, yeah. I just don't think it's like a special, Oh my God, drop the mic moment 
type of show, but it was really good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to finish out and piggy, piggyback on what you said. Um, yeah. Well, I just wanted to clarify when they, when I said that they were being side chicked on their own show, I was thinking more like there was one episode, I want to say episode three or maybe four, but it felt like that episode was, uh, centered more around, uh, John Walker and Carly and Morgenthal yeah. more than them. Like they were the yep. main characters, yep. Yep. uh, at times. And, yep. uh, yeah, that, and also, um, yeah, just saying the overall the I love the title change at the end, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And so basically, yeah. if they do a season two, that's what they're gonna call it. Yeah. And um, also, there's uh, the closing shot. It was so cool. It was uh, a Sam and Bucky standing next to each other. You know, just fading to black, and it just felt very. It was a good. Yeah. It was a good way to end it right there. Yes, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. They're, they're being homies and everything. So, yeah. all right. Um, next up. Mortal Kombat that came out this weekend. I finally, I actually got a got a chance to see it. I almost thought I wasn't gonna see it this weekend because uh, my my plans got canceled on Saturday. But I ended up like you know being able to call an audible on Sunday and and watch it with my family. And so yeah, I ended up watching Mortal Kombat and uh, I saw I saw your your shit post on on Facebook, man. I don't I don't know how I don't know why you're calling it a a wash, but in my opinion, the movie was good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're not alone. Like, I've gotten, like, three different text messages saying, man, you see Mortal Kombat? It was good, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, go for it, man. Uh, what did you think of uh, Mortal Kombat, and, and, why, and why are you... Uh, well, I, you it? know, I personally, I didn't like the movie. Um, I didn't like the movie that much. But I do feel like it had cool moments. I think the opening scene in the movie, like, the first ten minutes or eight, eight or nine minutes, whatever, uh -huh. is still the best scene in the entire movie. Like, that was the scene that, like, that whole sequence, it it really made you feel for the character, just, like, the what happened. And the fighting was actually shot solidly, like, well, pretty well done or whatever. And then I also like the end fight with, you know, the, the end fight that goes down. It's like what you literally come to see watch a Mortal Kombat for the two more most popular characters of Sub Zero and Scorpion, you know? Uh -huh. And so that shit was badass or whatever. So it delivered on that. But overall, man, it was just in terms of filmmaking, in terms of filmmaking, it was it was it was pretty bad, you know, uh to me just poor editing. Uh, the characters bad acting, uh, what? bad di uh, bad di <laughs> not bad acting all around. I'm not gonna say bad acting all around. It was some good performances in there, but the main character, man, he couldn't act. The main guy, like the Cole? guy, basically the character yeah. they made up for this yeah. movie, he couldn't act. And on top of that, he was just a lame character. You know, <laughs> we, we was just talking about like uh, how uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier got their ass whooped. He got his ass whooped the whole show like i mean the whole movie i'm sorry the whole movie you know what i mean and it wasn't justified or building like building to something like oh i'm gonna lose to win kind of thing it was just he's whack and then when you finally got his powers his powers was underwhelming as well to me too so just overall man it just i look at filmmaking it was very rushed it had no character development like i learned about none of the characters really like i didn't get no kind of uh backstories or backstory yeah. or anything to make me be like you know and and also one of the things i hated about the movie is like they were introducing characters so quick like i was like i want to i would rather them have just a small select amount of characters from the from the uh game and we get to like sit with these characters and learn the characters and ha see their personalities and instead of oh this is so and so and then we see them one or two more times and they fight and that's it or this is someone like they was just introducing so many characters and that really I just didn't really get to find time with now is this better than the old 
Mortal Kombat movies? Of course. Like, those movies are some of the worst movies in history, even though I do like the the first Mortal Kombat just as a guilty movie pleasure. I ain't gonna even lie. But, like, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it's like the worst movie, one of the worst movies ever made. So, of course it's better than that. Yeah, when the bar's so low, anything can be better. <laughs> right. Like, I had someone say, man, well, what you mean? Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation sucked. I'm like, of course it did. Like, I'm not saying this is worse than that. You know what I mean? So, just, I, but when you, I looked and I found out I googled the filmmaker and come to find out it's his first movie. It's his very first movie and it's like, oh, I, everything made sense. It was like a guy that just really didn't know what he was doing out there and like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's a movie where people are excited about Mortal Kombat and just, you know, happy and caught in the hype and then they let two or three years go by and they realize, ah, oh, yeah, that, you know, once the hype dies down and then everything and they say, oh, yeah, uh, this one and all that, you know, I mean, we've seen it several times. I, it happened to me with Batman v Superman. You know, I think <laughs> I, I think I reviewed that with you at your house. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember liking it, at least the theatrical version. And like, I, you know, I, now I can't even watch the theatrical version no more. It's like, it's not that good at all. So it's happened to me in a void. And I'm not saying that's like how it's going to be with you or with everyone, but I think for the vast majority of the people that like it, I think that's going to be the thing because the movie isn't good. I, I actually agree with you on that sense. Like the movie doesn't really it has it's it's the movie is also speed running by the way as well. I it's just speed it running. Run, it's speed like running. It's, and <laughs> I looked at the time by the way. It's not even two hours long. It's an hour I'm forty, like, hour fifty with credits. I'm like, how do you make a movie where you're introducing so many characters? Because it's Mortal Kombat, of course. We want to see a lot of characters, and you make a movie that's an hour and forty minutes. Like, really? Like, that, you know, that's like two episodes of a show or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it just, it, I was disappointed because I wasn't nobody more excited about Mortal Kombat than me. I, uh, so here's the thing. Like, since I played all the games and, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of this stuff and I know, like, the characters, like, stories within the games, for me, I was able to sort of, like, you know, circumvent character development and character introduction because I already had, like, something to work with in my head about who these characters are. So that way, I didn't really care about, like, character introductions and stuff like that. That's why I would say that this is more for the fans than it is for, like, general audiences. I think general audiences are going to get, like, cool fight scenes and cool bloody-ass fatalities, um, and, you know, they're going to get that. And that's, that's, you know, that's good enough for me. Like, I think the reason why I would give this uh, a positive, like, you know, review is because the movie delivers on what you want, if you know what, if you know what Mortal Kombat is. Um, you know, K uh, the, the actor that played Kano, he stole, the sh he stole every scene he's in. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. They've did, they did so many, like, uh, um, harken backs to, like, the, the games where they were, like, they said, they said words like test your might and Kano wins and flawless victory and all that kind of stuff. Or, you, you know, there was some cool-ass, like, you know, little, like, nods and winks and, uh, to the camera and stuff like that. So, for me, I was just, like, eat, eating it up and, like, every, at every moment, every, every twist and turn. Now, I will say that one thing that I will, I will give, like, negative feedback to is Liu Kang was a bit of a bitch. I don't, like... Uh, the, the Liu Kang in the 95 movie the Liu Kang in the 95 movie was more of a badass I mean uh, and the thing that the thing that's so blasphemous to me is like he's so skinny and small it's like Steven out there like 
I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, this is Luke Kane. Like, get someone that's buff, badass. Dude, no, you know. he's buff. You saw those muscles on him when he was flexing, like, whenever he called I mean, a magic listen, mic? Anybody that's skinny can be look buff. You know what I mean? Like, the dude was like a toothpick. He was small. He was look like he was like 17. I'm like, <laughs> man, I want a Bruce Lee looking muff. You know what I'm saying? I want someone that, you know, if you go back and look at the old Luke Kane and compare him, like, next to this guy, I was like, oh, my goodness, no. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah he was a bitch to me. Ah, uh, yeah. No, but I, I, he had muscles and stuff like that. He had, de- like, he would look like he was a little dehydrated with those muscles. Uh, <laughs> and when he was flexing in that one part, uh, that one specific scene I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> but I like saying other, but yeah, he is kind of short. And he was looking, there were a couple of scenes where he was looking up at the other actors and stuff when he was talking to them. And I'm like, oh, nah, nah, that it? that's kind of weak sauce. <laughs> Uh, how they gonna make them like and that's what pissed me off man how you make the coolest like literally like one of the coolest characters from all mortal kombat everybody even if you're not a big mortal kombat guy you know luke kane you know what i mean you know sub-zero and you know uh scorpion if, if you don't know nobody else you know them and it's like how do you drop the ball with one of the big three you know you got the other two right but you just dropped the ball with one of the <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. So, like, like I said, like you're right. I will 100% back you on that. From a filmmaking perspective, they did a lot of things wrong. But from a fan's perspective, they did a lot of things right. So that's where I'm going to come from it. Uh, go with it on this one. Uh, overall, um, they set the table up. You know, they set the table up for the sequel. And I will say that I look. I like the actors. I like the cast. So you know, for those that come back for the sequel and everything like that, I'm very happy that they do. But I would prefer better writers and a better director to come back and do it. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's all I ask is just okay, just step up the production and then we're golden. Like that's all. Like just do everything else that you did right. Migrate that forward to the sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like I, I, I honestly felt like they dropped the ball in my opinion. So hopefully, you know, if they're gonna do a sequel. They just do everything better. <laughs> Presumably, that's what usually happens. But yeah, so for me, I think for me, it's a pass. Uh, the last thing that I watched, uh, the last thing that I watched this week was uh, I tried to do that thing where we talked about the new releases last week, and we were so hyped, and we talked about Demon Slayer and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to watch Demon Slayer like the whole entire anime, like, but it's like twenty-two or twenty something. It's like twenty-something episodes um, mm-hmm. on Netflix, and. Um, I wanted to like you know watch the anime season and then go to the theaters and watch the movie in theaters, uh, but I ended up not doing that just because like I've been hella fucking busy and I just I just uh, don't have a lot of time to do everything that I want to do, so I ended up just watching just one episode of the anime and the anime is actually like twenty something minutes long per per episode and stuff like that, but I'm actually kind of hooked from the from the first episode. Um, mm. It's about this uh, this uh, kid that he's like he looks like he's like a teenager like sixteen to eighteen or whatever. Uh, his name is to, uh, Toshiro or like you know when you when you say it in, in like in a Japanese accent it's it's Toshiro. Uh, yeah. And so uh, he's he's like his character just basically just goes on a like a, a walk to uh, go sell some rocks. <laughs> no, some coal, some coal. Uh, he's gonna go sell some coal to the town to the neighboring town and stuff like that. And then um, he is just um i guess i'll just sort of spoil the first episode it's kind of like just setting up the groundwork really um he's just gonna go sell some coal so he can make money to support his family because their dad died and so he's like the man of the house because he's the oldest he's the eldest son so he goes and he does his his, you know his duty to like you know make some money and then he's gonna go back but then 
he was told he was stopped by an old man on the way back and says, "Hey, sleep in this house. It's dark. It's it's uh, you don't want to get taken by demons or whatever." And he doesn't really believe in demons, but he's like, "Whatever. All right. It's a it's a long trek back anyways. It's getting late." So he he gets, he wakes up the next morning. He goes and he goes to his house the next morning, and all of his family, his his sisters, his brothers, his mom, they're all dead, just straight up fucking dead and brutally murdered, and like you know fucking blood coming out of them and stuff like that are on the ground, and he's all like freaking out and crying, and then. Next thing you know, he sees that his one of his sisters is still alive and sort of like breathing and stuff like that. So he picks her uh, her up and he st- you know puts her uh, puts her on his back and starts running towards the town. He's like, I need to get her, get her to like the the hospital or something like that. And then, uh, so yeah, that's basically what the the show is about. It's uh, uh, there's a demon uh, uh, that attacked the, his family, and as a result, I guess like uh, his his sister got scratched and she survived. So his sister turns into a demon on, while on his back, and then next thing you know, some demon slayer just shows up and uh, almost kills the sister. But he does—he like—he loves the sister so much. Like he's like, no, 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 don't kill her. I'm gonna find a way to cure her of her demonness, and and then that's where the uh, the, the the episode ends. It's like the demon slayer uh, tells uh, uh, tells the brother uh, to go seek this person out at this town at this town, and hopefully you'll find more answers there. And then that's that's where we leave off. And it's like. Uh, it's a uh, interesting little like uh, setup, and uh, the animation is top notch, by the way. And I've actually seen the trailer for uh, the movie, and the movie is even better. Like the best way I can explain it is like you remember like I don't know if you've seen like Dragon Ball um, uh, Broly in theaters. Yeah. I but did. that that 2D CGI animation, like that 3D, like you know panning the cameras and swooping and stuff yeah. like that. That's that level of animation that that they put into the into the movie. Yeah. God damn, yeah, man. I'm definitely excited because I was already kind of wanting to see it. I was planning on uh, watching it, as, like watching the show as well, but I just didn't get a chance to. But, yeah, this definitely got me excited. Yeah, so it's really it's really good. It's really awesome. I'm very much, uh, uh, like, the animation is actually pretty damn, pretty decent and stuff like that. Um uh, it's obviously not com- quite compared to what the what they what they did on a movie budget and stuff like that, but uh, it's it's still like very good for uh, it's like definitely we definitely come a long way when it comes to animation I will say and uh, uh, from from a storytelling pers- perspective I'm I'm all there I'm for it uh, it's good uh, it sounds like good acting and stuff like that very emotional uh, most times I find uh, Japanese voice acting just top notch in general anyways um, I didn't really uh, the Netflix doesn't. Not that I'm aware of. I didn't see an option, but Netflix is uh, is the uh, is the, the the subtitled version. I don't think they offer a dubbed version, if I'm not mistaken. So, but yeah. I'm a fan of uh, of uh, subbed over dub anyway. So, yeah. Uh, did you watch anything before we move on? Uh, nah. Uh, I, I think that's that pretty much covered it. I just wanted to make sure I watched the final episode of Soldier and also Mortal Kombat. All right, cool. All right, let's go ahead and and move on to uh, the biggest uh, the biggest story of the week. It's time for topic of the show. So for topic of the show, it's going to be about the Oscars or uh, as uh, what do you, do you do you say this, Troy? But I feel like you would say something like you would call it the Oscars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Oscars, man. boy. You like the Oscars. Like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see who won the Oscars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Oscars. And I actually have like multiple stories uh, ready to, uh, to pull up here. 
but the first, before we even like go on to like actually like talking about the news stories, let's go ahead and first, uh, you know, acknowledge we, what we do on this show here is we did a prediction special a couple of episodes ago, I believe episode 10, it might have been, where we uh, did a predictions of who we think is going to win. And, you know, we just sort of like do like a little betting game, kind of sort of speak, just bragging rights. And so we uh, we took the seven big uh, categories and um, we basically tied. I guess I'll just sort of like uh, ruin the surprise here. Out of the seven, we each got four right. Dang, I wanted to win, man. <laughs> so uh, what's kind of interesting is that five of the categories, we each predicted the same winner on five <laughs> categories. And then the last two categories that we predicted, we we split the, we actually, you know, chose different things. And what's kind of funny is uh, on, on, the, on the two categories that we split, we each took a point. So like... You you guess something different on actress in a leading role. You got that right, and then I chose the right on best picture. So we ended mm. up getting a tie because we each got one point on the two that we split up. We split up on because everything else we predicted the same exact thing. And I'm an idiot. If I if I got best picture wrong, I'm an idiot because I did definitely get best picture wrong. <laughs> I'm an idiot because No Bad Lad is one of the like the clearest winners of like a long time. So how do I pick something over that? That shit. Do you stupid. remember what you chose? What you predicted? I think what did I say? Mank, I think. Oh no, uh Judas and yeah. the Black Messiah. Yeah. You, you chose Judas and the Black Messiah. Thank <laughs> you. I, I the reason why I, I actually went with Best Picture is because of Chloe Zhao. She won for Best Director. And I predicted we both predicted Chloe Zhao for No Man Land. And I said in my reasoning is that they're not gonna split the difference. They're gonna be they're gonna be in unison. So if you went yeah, best director, and they all, and you they win best picture. They always do. That's why, like, I don't understand why I was so stupid. Like, if I would have got that right, I would have won. Like, oh yeah, I, you would have. You would have gotten five out of seven. Damn, man, <laughs> that shit's so stupid. <laughs> you would have gotten five out of seven. That is true. Um, so yeah, best picture went to Nomadland, and actress in a leading role was the one that uh, you got. You predicted Frances McDormand in Nomadland. And uh, I predicted Andre Day for the United States versus Billy Holiday, which is I should I feel stupid because I literally hear no buzz about her anyways. Uh, no at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason why is because I think when we taped it, it was like the Golden Globes had happened, and I think she yeah. won the Golden Globe if I'm oh, not mistaken. Yeah, like that's always a mistake to go out. Uh, uh. <laughs> To, go, to follow up the Golden Globes. They're all clowns over there, man. Oh, my God. Uh, so for actor, any leading role? Okay, the two categories, I'll, I'll skip the these two categories that we got wrong. Let's go ahead and go with the other ones. Animated feature film, we both got it right. It was Soul, obviously, no duh. Um, and then actor in a supporting role, we both got that right because we both guessed Daniel Kaluuya because that was pretty much a, an obvious. He yeah. was like, I saw like a, a headline like before like the Oscars happened, like it was published before the Oscars happened, was like that said Daniel Kaluuya is the only guaranteed winner of the acting, <laughs> of the acting yeah. categories. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that was no question. Uh, so that leaves us to the last two categories that we got wrong. So for actor in a leading role. Oh God! Let's let's actually let's 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 uh, not bury the lead here uh, on that one. Uh, actress in a supporting role. Here we go. We both guessed Amanda Seyfried for Mank, mm. and I think I took your lead on it. If I'm not mistaken, I think you said it first, and I was like, you know what? I'll I think I'll go with you on this yeah. one because yeah. I said I think uh, yeah. it was because you had watched it on Netflix, and mm -hmm. then I was like, okay, you know what? I'll trust your I trust yeah. your uh, your your judgment on this. And that seemed to be a mistake. <laughs> And uh, so what ended up happening was uh, Yun Ye Jung uh, won for Minari. 
That's that that one came out of left field. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. And I feel like there was like Minari the movie got buzzed, but her the actress didn't get buzzed. Yeah. That I'm not mistaken. But I think more people were talking about uh, Stephen Yun uh, more than her. So yeah. uh, next up, now this is the one that was the big uh, contentious one. Actor in a leading role. We both guessed Chadwick Boseman uh, for the posthumous Oscar, Man. but Anthony Hopkins. You just took the Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> that that right there is crazy. I mean, so here's the thing, like, with the with the Anthony Hopkins, the big controversy about that. Personally, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't even say if it was a snub or not. He, For all I know, he gave the greatest performance in some of his, of his, his career, for all I know. Yeah. Right. But th- here's two things I know about the Oscars, and this is why I understand the uh, – the criticism that 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 selection is getting is two things I know about the Oscars. Number one, they love to give out lifetime achievement awards, right? So if it's someone that they know they should have been gave an Oscar to years ago and they never have, they'll just automatically. This is Anthony Hopkins' second Oscar, though. Really, I thought it was his first. He won for Silence of the Lambs. Really? I think so. Let me Google it right now. Go for it. If you want to keep on keep on going, you can keep going here. But uh, yeah, so um, I I thought it was his first. So I don't know. I might be wrong on that. But you know, I just know they like to give out lifetime achievement awards. You know, Martin Scorsese was directing like forty to fifty years before he got his Oscar, when he should have been had at least one or two already. Uh, same with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, yeah. He, he so so uh, Anthony Hopkins did in fact win for best actor in a leading role for um, Silence of the Lambs. Oh really? Yes. Yeah. So I, you know that that's even more ridiculous then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he already got an Oscar, so why y'all? You know what I mean? And Giving then, him another then, one. <laughs> yeah, and then another thing is like usually uh, this is normally like when an actor dies, they usually give them that you know that nod. You know what I mean? That's happened multiple times in the cinema history, and so like you know it's just it's like asking to get criticized because a black actor passes away and then now all of a sudden you don't give the guy that passed away the oscar you know that i mean like it's been a year it's a movie um dang it was what is the uh this movie network it's a movie called network that came out in like the 70s or whatever it's a masterpiece one of the great movies ever made literally they gave two leading actors an oscar that year because one of the uh actors passed away that was in the movie or whatever and they nominated him for the a lead and he wasn't really the lead, but they nominated him for the lead and he won the Oscar that year, you know? And like, that's how far they're willing to go for certain, you know, actors. Of course, we all know about Heath Ledger and not saying that he didn't deserve it, but usually when the actor passes away and they gave a good performance, they'll give him that nod. But it's like with Chadwick Boseman, it's like, this was his last chance to win an Oscar. So it's like, you know, Anthony Hopkins has an Oscar. So it it that's where I think the controversy comes from because it's yeah. like you know get a guy to edge you know he's won other awards just get a guy to edge you know what I mean I'm not saying it's necessarily right but it's just what that's what y'all always do and, and so be consistent not don't you know now it's a black actor now it's like oh yeah you know we got to give it to the right person no that's not how y'all always done it so I don't know that's that's just how I look at it but. I can't necessarily say that he didn't deserve to win it because I didn't see the movie. And so I'm not one of these guys that's going to be like, oh, this is an outrage. And I haven't seen all the movies, you know. So that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in his 80s. And uh, no matter how good your your uh, 
your COVID safety precautions are going to be, it's going to be a bitch for him to travel from uh, Europe to the U.S. for uh, the Oscars. He was not present to accept his uh, award. Um, and let's go ahead and just bring up this topic of conversation here since we're talking about actor in a leading role. Um, they gave out, I don't, did you watch the Oscars telecast, by the way? No, I, I, I uh, came in and out, in okay. and out, like, okay. watched it. So they what were they, doing some weird stuff, man, like, Yeah, there was a lot to talk about. That's why I have a whole list of articles. Um, but just go ahead and just to talk about this particular subject. What they did was they gave out Best Director and Best, uh, uh, normally, whenever the Wrong. Oscars ends, is they end it on Best uh, best picture of the year, you know. Yeah, they did it like the uh, in the opposite. Uh, what's the name? Like, why would y'all do that? They, they they saved actor in a leading role for last. They ended the telecast on that one uh, for on Anthony Hopkins win. And what's really kind of crazy is okay, so they keep these uh, these wins a super hardcore secret. Like only like the accountants know like the uh, uh, know the winners and stuff and, like that. Oh, and real quick, real quick, my bad, not to interrupt you, Louis, but I googled it and it says he only has one Oscar, and that was for the father that he just won. So are you sure that he had other Oscar wins when you looked, or did, did it just say awards in general? Yeah, uh, it says here a best actor. I just I just pulled up Google and I just I go to, uh, I pulled up Google and put the Silence of the Lambs and then it went. It has winners. It has like all the wins that it did. Oh okay. Um, shoot. I mean, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll look it up on the Oscars official website as well, just to be sure. But oh yeah, you, no, you're right. You're right. He did win. So like when <laughs> I looked at like that way, it it shows him as a winner. But then when I looked up just his wins in general, it only had one. So that's why. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, all right. So just to just to finish what I was uh, what I was saying is like they were doing the the full uh, broadcast at the end, and uh, the the producers they actually don't know who the winners are, but the producers were trying to do this thing where like everyone he they, the producers believed that Chadwick Boseman was going to win, and so they wanted to end the night on a crescendo of. Chadwick Boseman winning the Oscar and I guess having like his wife, you know, do a great, you know, acceptance speech like the way she did on the at the at the Golden Globes, you know, that heartfelt, you know, speech and, uh, you know, basically sort of like be like this this uh, this crescendo, this climax and everything. But it didn't. It was kind of like it fell like flat on his face because Chadwick Boseman didn't win and the mm. winner wasn't even there to accept the Oscar. So Joaquin Phoenix, which by the way, that's a whole other thing. Joaquin Phoenix, who was the presenter, had to like say, uh, "Oh yeah," and uh, the Academy accepts the award on on Sir Anthony Hopkins' behalf, and then you know, peace out, you know, and like that's how the the, the telecast ends. And so, um, what's what's really interesting is like I don't know why. I guess because Joaquin Phoenix, you know, he doesn't. He's like one of those actors that doesn't give a shit. But what they do is the previous year's winners usually are the ones that presents the the uh, the Oscars. So like the actor in a leading role winner would present the next year the actress in a leading role, and then the actress yeah. in a leading role would present the actor in a leading yeah. role. And so Renee Zellweger didn't actually uh, present. Uh, they swapped it. So Renee Zellweger. Uh, presented actress in a leading role, and Joaquin Phoenix presented actor in a leading role, which is a whole other thing. I don't know why they broke that tradition. For I guess because maybe Renee Zellweger wouldn't have been able to pull that off. I don't know, but uh, who knows? But really, yeah. it's just a whole interesting. Like I don't know. I guess I just want to like uh, get your take on it. Like why uh, would you, as a producer of the Oscars, would you have taken that gamble? I mean, what do you what do you I think mean, about I, that? I don't. I wouldn't have because I listen like. Like, cause you know, my, 
perspective on the whole thing. I felt like they shouldn't have had the Oscars, but the main <laughs> reason why they had they did go through with it because of tradition, right? Like they've never missed this like eighty something years. That every year they've had the Oscars, and so they wanted to, you know, through rain, sleet, or snow, make sure they keep the Oscars. And of course, others um, award shows have been happening, so they're like, well, why not the Oscars? Well, if you're gonna keep you know go through with the oscars you might as well do everything that you normally do like don't start changing stuff now like you're deciding to have the oscars you know what i mean so you might as well try to keep it as much as possible normal you know as much you know again you of course we all know we got to make some kind of changes and sacrifices due to the whole covid situation stuff like that but for the most part, you should try to keep it the same. So doing goofy stuff like, you know, having the best actor winner before the best or like, the, you know, however they had a swamped and doing stuff like having the presenters present different differently and stuff like that. It's like, I just don't see, I don't really get what they were doing. Not to that. mention, like, uh, nobody's talking about Nomadland. Nomadland won Best Picture and it didn't end the night. So like... I'm sure, I'm sure like people like producers or, or like maybe even the director felt like maybe they were, their moment was stolen. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cause usually, you know, the winner, they on stage when the, when the uh, show ends, like yeah. everybody's up there celebrating, you know, and they're kind of was like, all right, we won. Now we're back sitting down. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't get to really feel the, the feeling of like being the winner and stuff like that, being on stage. So I don't know. It was just, it was weird, man. This show was they were doing weird stuff and like they had some unexpected wins and and like you and when unexpected like with a year like this with these unexpected wins it wouldn't be surprised me if some of the oscar voters didn't even watch some of the damn movies they were just like <laughs> basically did what we did you know when we was kind of like oh we ain't seen this we did see this so i'm gonna choose this to kind of thing you know what i mean but who knows yeah uh so that's that's those are the those are the wins here. So now we got a couple of stories here pulled up, and uh, there's there's a uh, this is leading me to believe how much uh, how much of a shit show this uh, this this year's Oscars were. So I have a uh, a story pulled up from the New York Post uh, pulled up here, and uh, it says here on the on the headline: Los Angeles homeless reportedly booted from encampments before the Oscar ceremony. So in case you didn't know that, uh, know this, but the city of Los Angeles, they have a homeless problem, and they have like people on the streets living at and on living on the streets in tents, you know, like you know, on the on the sidewalks on the streets and stuff like that. Yeah. And so what they ended up doing was because the Oscars were happening, they uh, in order to you know have that glitzy image and stuff like that, and you got you know a national telecast, you know, the national spotlight on you. They basically you know since the Oscars is happening on Union Station you know, which is a public place, they, the Oscars, like on the weekend of the Oscars, the, the people working for the Oscars were like booting and getting rid of all of these homeless and kicking them out and telling them to go, go, go to a, a hotel or whatever. And so uh, I just wanted to sort of like, you know, uh, talk about even before, even before the, uh, the Oscars even began, they were, you know, facing an uphill battle. And it says here on the on the story, it says scores of homeless people, many living in tents near the Union Station building in downtown Los Angeles, were allegedly allegedly threatened and ordered to leave in the days leading up to the star-studded event, according to Fox 11 Los Angeles. Quote: They came to us about uh, a week uh, a week ago saying that we had to move by Friday at 6 p.m. because they were trying to clean up for the Oscars. A homeless man identified as DJ uh, identified a DJ. Hmm. 
As DJ told the station, they told us if we didn't move, they were going to demolish our stuff and that if you have warrants, we're going to take you to jail. Uh, some homeless folks were relocated to a nearby hotel in an effort to clean up the area before, uh, to the, in order to clean up the area's look before Tinseltown's A-listers flocked to the 93rd Annual Academy Awards. And uh, yeah, it says here they were coming and harassing us three or four times a day. They forced us to go to the Grand Hotel on 3rd and Figueroa, and they kicked everybody out of Union Station so it looks better for the, uh, for the image. So what are your thoughts on the, the, uh, the Oscars, you know, doing this and stuff like that, sort of like sweeping the homeless problem, the homeless problem under the rug? My, my big question is, why not have the Oscars somewhere else? <laughs> like, ser- like, if you got to do all of that, you know, why have the Oscars right there? You know what I mean? That's like in my city, if I open up. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's le- like uh, because it's in Los Angeles and they have like uh, um, you can't have mass gatherings and stuff. So it has to be an open public place. No, I'm, I mean, I understand it being in Los Angeles, but why specifically there? You see what I mean? Like if I'm open up a lemonade stand in my city, you know, right there on Lancaster under a bridge, it's going to be a lot of homeless people there. Like instead of me trying to move everyone out so I can have my lemonade stand, why not have it somewhere else? You know what I mean? Like. I, I mean, was that literally the only place they could have it? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. I think saying. it's because it's a gathering of hundreds of people. They needed a place that's not like a building. It has to be like an open mm. park, like an open square kind of thing. Oh, okay. So um, it's not like a building with air conditioning and circulating air kind of thing. Yeah. It's my understanding that that's what it is. And also, like, it has to be in Los Angeles because it is Hollywood kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. So I don't know. Like, it, it just kind of seems very, very interesting. And that's a story that people don't really talk about. But I just found that kind of very interesting that, you know, um, there's a whole lot of logistics that happens that goes into, into uh, you know, doing the Oscars. And that is a problem that, you know, I don't even, I can't, I, I don't even think of that as a, if I were to make a list of problems in this COVID era, that is something that I wouldn't have thought of to write on that list is homeless problem, you know, as, as one yeah. of the lines. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of fucked up. It's so like, yeah. I don't know, it's so heartless. And it's so, I don't know, it just seems very like backwards where like, you know, you know, Tyler Perry is out here during the Oscars telecast talking about, you know, don't believe in hate, believe in love and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is what you're doing on the back end. You know what I mean? I mean, if they wanted to like because you did you did mention that they were getting hotels for certain people. Right. Like if if they did that, then it would have been a lot better. Like like for one day, just spend the money to get these people a hotel. You know, it don't have to be anything luxurious, but say, look, you know, listen, yeah, you know, while we have this on this day, you know, here, we got you guys a hotel, so don't be here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's like how we're going to do it. You know what I mean? If they would have did that with all the homeless people, then, you know, I, you can't get mad at that for saying, look, we need this to be cleared up right now. Um, here's a hotel for, so here's somewhere for you to sleep for the night, whatever the case may be. You know, and to just handle it like that, I mean, you know, you can't complain. And and it seemed like they did it for some people, but you got to do it for every, you know, you got to clear it out. You know, you got to spend that money then. If you want to tell homeless people to just get the hell on, like, that's not right. So, I don't know, man. The, the Oscars, I don't know what they own. <laughs> all right. So, next up is we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about all the Oscars, like, you know, what the hell moments and stuff like that. There were many of them that happened during the telecast, highs and lows. I got an article pulled up from from Vulture 
And it says here, the 93rd Annual Academy Awards ceremony was bonkers as hell, roller coaster, uh, to be frank. The night uh, started out with a slick, tightly choreographed opening and transitioned to an evening of uh, genteel, fancy country club ambience. But by around 10.45, everything that started tilting sideways, Glenn Close danced to the butt. <laughs> the In Memoriam yeah. segment moved so fast it bordered on parody. Then mm, the yeah. portion of the ceremony traditionally designed uh, to be the big climactic windup to best picture instead collapsed in a half deflated heap, leaving Joaquin Phoenix and Questlove somehow in charge of wrapping things up and sending everyone home. What began as a ceremony evoking one of the producers, Steven Sodenberg's streamlined heist movies, ended up with the energy of an awkward corporate banquet where the night's big winner couldn't make it. It was a weird, wild, beautiful, baffling Oscars, and maybe that's fitting for such a weird, sad, wild, baffling year. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the high. Regina King, striding, uh, striding confidently down a long red carpet into Union Station, the most uh, Soderbergian uh, opening imaginable to these Soderbergh-produced awards. One of the big challenges of the awards ceremonies over the past year has been un the uncanny valley feeling towards uh, a feeling of awards that try to mimic pre-COVID times and fail miserably. Ceremonies that have been embraced, the differences between have been far more successful. So the decision to host these Oscars in a new space with distinctly, distinctly unusual cinematography choices and a strong point of view direction feels like a huge relief. <laughs> so, by the way, just wanted to say that uh, Regina King, she uh, she did like do her like. Her stride, you know, she took the stage and, you know, did the opening monologue kind of thing because the Oscars was, is actually hostless. And uh, so she was like the de facto host kind of, but not really. She just did the intro. And she did this thing where she like got on the stage and confidently, but then she tripped. And uh, But she didn't trip like and fall, but she kind of like stumbled and, ca and caught herself. And then she sort of like smiled at the camera and she said, uh, live TV folks kind of thing. And uh, But yeah, that was kind of uh, an interesting like little like high there is like people are like giving props to Regina King on that one yeah i mean regina king is just so beloved Do anybody know like she's like on my facebook she's my background on my uh facebook because uh i'm just a big fan of her so it's cool to see that yeah and so she actually uh during her little opening um uh, speech she chose to reference the the recent decision of the derek chauvin trial uh, she said, quote, if things had gone differently this past week in Minneapolis, I might have traded in high heel, uh, these high heels for marching boots. So, yeah, that's um, that's an interesting thing is like apparently uh, when when actors started getting political, apparently people uh, were tuning out. So what are your thoughts on like Oscars being political? I mean, listen, you like, you, you got to do what's right sometimes. You know what I mean? Listen, I don't think the Oscars should overdo it or actors and actresses should overdo it. But like just make doing something like that, something quick and simple just to raise awareness. You know, I, I respect that, you know? And so I don't really care who doesn't like that. You know what I mean? Like certain things in, happen in this world that needs to be discussed. Like you can't just ignore certain things that happen in this world. So, uh, I respect, of course I don't, you know, wouldn't want no like long speech about it or nothing like nothing that'll make it just awkward, but you know, just letting it be heard saying something like that, you know, just making a little statement and, or representing something and what you're wearing or whatever the case may be, it should be in anything, everything, you know, sports, whatever the case may be. So I'm, I mean, I'm cool with it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just, there's, it's, it's, 
it's really weird. It's hard for me to to, to juggle that, for, in my personal opinion, because on the one hand, yes, it's it's uh, it's nice to you know utilize your platform for good. You know what I mean. But on the other hand, uh, some people, you know, want escapism. You know what I mean? And when you put in, when you bring in reality, it just sort of ruins that escapism. So I don't know how to how to reconcile the two. Uh, well, that's why you know that's why I said like, it, it, like you said, it's good to bring awareness. But you know that doesn't mean like her saying that. That's just brought awareness. It reminded people of it, and it was like it's a move on situation. You know, I think if you do a whole speed, or if you put it like this, if you go too far with and put it, get, get on a soapbox or whatever about it, right? Know? Like if we go too far with it, and it's like a whole thing, then now you're not escaped no more. But just to be reminded of it, like someone could, you could still completely escape from your reality to watch the Oscars and then get reminded of something that's important real quick and get back to what you, you see what I'm saying? So that the way she did it with a smooth little quick little thing like that, by saying that to me, that's genius, you know, but I wouldn't want like the host to host the whole show talking about that. You know what I mean? Unless, unless it is very important that like, I remember Chris Rock did, that a couple years back talking about it was when it was the Oscars so white and it wasn't no black nominees <laughs> to me. I like that because I liked his, his, his hosting and he talked about that a lot, but that had directly to do with the movies and the Oscars. So it made sense. You know what I mean? But I, I wouldn't want a host basically having a whole stand up to start off the Oscars talking about someone getting murdered by a police officer, right? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, this that's not what this is for. Or, you know, like going too far with it. But something quick like what Regina Hall, uh, uh, Regina King did, uh, it's that's cool with me. Well, there was also another person who won. Like, I think there was a winner for, like, the, the shorts or do- documentary or something like that. Uh, the two the two winners were talking about how, like, they, they spent, they dedicated their whole entire speech to uh, – you know, like every every day, uh, three people are killed by a police officer, and then tomorrow, yeah. like so, like so, like somebody who's killed, three people were killed today, and then tomorrow, another three people were killed, and then, and the day after that, another three people, like you know, like they were. See, like to me, that's just doing a little too. Not listen, he, th- it's right what they're doing, like doing that is right, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, speak up about things like that in moments where everyone was listening and can hear. That's important. But like how you were saying, you know, it's like doing too much, like making the show not about the show no more to talk about real life, you know, situations that needed to be needs to be handled um, by the government and the police and everybody else. I don't think it should be, you know, overwhelmed with, you know, us, the viewer should have to be overwhelmed by what's going on in this world. Right. But if it's just a reminder, if it's just an opportunity to say, hey, look, millions of people are watching. I need to let this be known real fast by making a, a, a statement or quoting something or doing something. I'm I'm completely OK with that, you know, but like like what you just said, like, that's just too much. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> All right. So another high for the Oscars was Daniel Kaluuya's uh, ending his acceptance speech. I actually went and watched his whole acceptance speech. It was crazy. It was very good. He was so okay. 
he fucked up his acceptance speech at the end, in my opinion. I feel like he was so eloquent and so, like, great to listen to. You know, he's got that British accent, and he's giving praise and thanks to all of his, his castmates and the director, his team. He's actually not, it's the, the, his awards, his acceptance speech wasn't even about himself, you know what I mean? Like, he was so, he was so gracious and everything. But then he, like, puts in a little joke at the end, and he's like, like, yo, I'm about to turn up on, you know, there's a lot, he said, he said at the, uh, at towards the end, he's like, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm not going to do that until Tuesday because for now I'm going to turn up or something like that or I'm going to you know, glow up or something like that. Or something, something, I forgot what he said. But then he said at the end, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's amazing. It's like my mom and dad, they had sex. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's amazing. I'm here, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. And then and then they showed they 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 cut they jump cut to his mom and then his uh, his mom is just puts her, her hand on her face and looks down and a little like embarrassed a little ashamed or whatever <laughs> and I'm like damn <laughs> did you see uh, that did you see that part or no or... yeah no I did I seen it on the highlights oh but, my uh, god so I, what did you think about that first off okay he's not wrong okay his mom and dad <laughs> did have sex and he's here because of it yeah. So, but I, in the, in the, in the abstract, he did like sort of like, you know, bookended it on a beautiful note. You know, he's saying that I'm celebrating life. You know what I mean? So that message in general is not a bad message. It's just the way he said it, it was just kind of like, I don't know, a little, not very Oscar-y. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was a good speech overall. I just, you know, sometimes people do that. They, you know, have a desperate attempt of trying to be funny. And try to like you know wow the crowd with something funny or leave on like a high laughing note instead of being so serious. That's all he was trying to do. It it did it didn't work. Like it you know the joke didn't hit or whatever. It was actually awkward and weird. But you know that's that's what you know sometimes people make those jokes and they do work. You know inappropriate jokes are funny. And you usually can make those work in any situation if executed right. It just wasn't executed right. So if it came off a little weird, but, you know, it's still a fantastic speech overall, you know, and I think that's what's really important. All right. So here's a low. Uh, the lack of clips from the nominated movies and performances. Uh, one understandable casualty, though a casualty nonetheless, of Soderbergh's in-person hangout approach to the ceremony was that the Oscars didn't cut away from the proceedings when introducing the nominees for a category to show clips from the movies, with a few exceptions, including the international feature and documentary, animated, and best picture categories. On the one hand, it was lovely to hear more personal introductions, but we still missed out on the chance to revisit the big moments from the films, or even introduce them to those who hadn't even seen the films yet. It's felt like an, uh, uh, it felt like an especially glaring omission in the performance categories. Uh, so... What are your thoughts on like the the Oscars not showing the clips during the ceremony during the telecast? I mean that to me that's a nitpick. You know, I I think they should have, and it kind of goes to show that they were probably scrambling. And I I just could tell the producers this year just didn't know what the hell they were doing. You know, they they really just di didn't do a good job overall. And uh, I just think that's one of the things they kind of botched a little bit. But I to me that's a nitpick. You know, I'm not gonna make that like a big deal. Oh, they didn't show the five second performance of the you know who cares you know what i mean you seen that's not gonna that five seconds isn't gonna convince you uh, who should have won the oscar or make you go see the movie just because you've seen a five second clip i prefer i love though personally because i like to you know after i see all the movies i like to get reminded of why that performance was so damn good you know but i just think it's a little bit of a nitpick 
Okay. Uh, here's another low. Uh, Brad Pitt absolutely not doing his homework on learning how to pronounce the names of the supporting actress nominees, mangling the names of both Maria Bakalova and Yoon Yeon Jung twice in two different ways. Uh, Yeon uh, politely dragged Mr. Pitt for it in her typically uh, her typically excellent speech, adding that everyone is off the hook tonight because she won. But she, but still, uh, Brad, if you're presenting, you literally have one job, and that's to learn everyone's names. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, true, man. That that is true. But uh, to be fair, that happens at least once every year. Like someone. I remember John Travolta. Ma- it was John Travolta. He was, he was making it up the pronunciations a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That to be fair, as, as bad as this Oscars was, that happens just about once every year. Somebody, some idiot, don't you know? Like if I'm presenting something in front of millions of people in a huge audience. I'm going to make sure I know at least the name. I'm going to, like, get that. I'm going to practice that. I'm going to, you know, rehearse it. You guys are actors. Y'all know how to do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. You know, make sure you get the name right. How do you go out there and not get the name right? It's just, it is something that's irritating about that, but it happens at least once a year. Uh, and here's another uh, another low, and it's regarding the – um, I couldn't find it in this article. I could have sworn I read it somewhere, but uh, there's a low is that the uh, the Oscars didn't do this thing where they play people out. You know, the speeches were long because they weren't being cut off. Um, so what are your thoughts on like on long ass so acceptance speeches? Listen, I personally I, I'm torn on it. You know, I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I'm torn on it because on one hand, it's like I hate it. I hate it's It's so rude. And I hate it when some you know someone is having their accepting speech and then you just hear this rude ass music just cut <laughs> on like like hurry up it's literally saying hurry the fuck up you know that's literally like what they're saying like hurry the fuck up get off stage like and it's so rude this is like someone's moment they dreamed their whole life for an oscar they're up here and you know they're a bit nervous that like everyone is and they're trying to say their speech and then a few seconds in it's like you hear the music dun, 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 like get out you know it's like i hate that but that being said at the same time you have people that done had five minute speeches you know it's like come on man so I, i'm a bit torn on it for one hand you know I, like I do feel like they need to, to a certain degree, get people off the stage because it's nationally televised and they have to be, you know, particular about the time and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think they should rush people off like they do. You know, even if it means take take a little bit of the entertainment stuff time away, you know, because they'll have so much long entertainment stuff, but then rush the speeches. That's what the literally Oscar is for. You see what I'm saying? They'll have... You know, someone perform for 15 or 20 minutes and then rush the speeches. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, like that's what we're here to see. You know, that's entertainment in itself to hear what people are going to say on that stage. So that's just a passionate thing for me when it comes to the Oscars. But I do. But I feel like it's a middle ground. It is. It's a middle ground. You have to walk, you know, like don't rush people off. But if they've been talking a little long and it's like, all right, come on now, you know, then maybe start hitting them with the music. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've. I'm kind of sort of like there with you as well. Uh, sometimes speeches are like kind of rambly and, you know, sometimes it can be a bit incoherent if they're too long, you know. So um, I would say that the um, the best speeches are usually like under 30 seconds. You know, they're memorable. They're short. They're to the point. You know, they're, they're Twitter clipped. 
You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think it's it's a, it's a balance because it, like you know some for some people most people maybe maybe only win one Oscar in their entire career. You in know, their entire life. Yeah. Right. So like if you it, it for people that you know that's their moment. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, here's another high. We're going to finish out with one more high and one more low. One more high is uh, late in the ceremony, the Oscars threw a curveball with the joke segment where Lil Ray, oh, sorry, Lil Rel, wandered ar- about trying to get nominees to guess whether famous songs written for the uh, movies actually won Oscars. This led to him trying to stump Glenn Close about the butt which led to Glenn Close dancing to the butt and everyone losing their minds, which is only imaginable, which is the only Im- uh, imaginable, res- reasonable response. <laughs> so did you see that that weird ass moment where she was sort yeah. of twerking and stuff? Oh yeah, it was so it was just cringy. <laughs> it, it, it really was. I'm not gonna even lie, but I, you know, it, it's a, one again desperate attempt for for humor, desperate attempt for to ratings, make this, yeah, for ratings and and like the last couple of years, the Oscars haven't had a host. And I really think that's a problem. They, I think they really need a host. I, I mean, I think they could get away with it one year, but they need a host for situations like this to, because the host comes up. It does. They don't just, you know, have their stand up at the beginning and then present stuff. They like their job is to find ways to be make funny, the funny. show entertainment, entertaining, and be funny throughout the show. But when you don't have a host. It's almost like people are freestyling and just coming up with ideas and just doing stuff to try to make. And then you get one of these embarrassing moments. <laughs> it's both a high and a low, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the low is uh, lovely. Long speeches are lovely. And Glenn Close, Glenn Close dancing to the butt is incredible. But an in-memoriam segment seemingly played at 1.5x speed and sent to incongruous, incongruously upbeat music is an odd choice in any time, especially in 2021. And by the way, they ended the in-memoriam section with uh, Chadwick Boseman. You know, they slowed it down for him and stuff like that. So uh, people were, like, actually mad and upset about the in-memoriam section. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually seen it myself. I just know that it ended with him, and I was, I was heard about that, the, the speed, you know, being comically, like, really, you know, name, 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 and stuff like that. But... Uh, yeah, I just feel like in, in my, in my, and like in the abstract, just hearing that it does seem very odd because the in memoriam section is usually like a slow tempo thing. It's like a time to reflect and a time to like honor people that passed away. And I think it is, it, if, if that is true, if I were to see it and I felt like that's a little disrespectful, you know, that's like a, that's like the wrong choice that the, the Oscar producers, you know, chose to do as far as like, you know, managing their time, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like you, I agree, you know, it's like. I ha- I haven't seen it like you. I haven't seen it, but based off what I'm hearing, it's another stupid decision. <laughs> it's like the Oscars they, they really need their ass whooped, man. This, this year, they, like it's it, they, to me, it's certain things, right? That's common sense. It's common sense. I tell this to my friend Tony all the time. Use common sense. You see what I'm saying? And it's like they're so desperate. They I felt like they were just desperate this year. They were trying their hardest to make the show a success even though you know with the pandemic and everything they were trying their hardest to make the show different and trying to do new stuff and but it's like you gotta know how to walk that line and you know you gotta know the rules before you break them kind of thing and it's just to me based off what i'm hearing that just sounds idiotic you know it's like you don't 
have like an upbeat. That it, to me, that's it's just like a little bit disrespectful. That's just how I look at it. Yeah. All right. So basically, overall, I would classify the Oscars as a shit show, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, there's just from like the the you know you have to be there to accept your speech. You uh, don't wear masks when the cameras are rolling. Um, you know the 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 unforced error of putting best actor in a leading role at the end. Um, you know, yeah. I think I, did I mention the homeless thing or whatever? Like, there's just a whole laundry list of problems. I mean, and you know what? <laughs> this about Oscars that? Had. They they put the best actor at the end, right? Yeah. It's like it's almost like they were setting it up for it to be chat with Bozeman. You know what I mean? Like I could see them doing that if it's like, all right, Chadwick Bozeman's gonna win. He's gonna be the last one, and then you know, like it'd be whatever they do, whatever. Like, like you said, it was supposed to be uh, what was his wife doing a speech? If it ended like that on a different note for this a particular occasion, then I understand them switching it up. But it's almost like they made a last second decision to say, uh, "Nah, let's." You know, at first it was gonna be Chadwick Boseman, and it's like a last second decision to change it to Anthony Hopkins. Like that's what it seemed like. Cause why else would that, you have the producers don't know the winners right yeah right. so they think the producers think so that they probably thought yeah, yeah the producers yeah, think okay. that chadwick was gonna win right but they're right, not told okay. that so yeah, yeah okay yeah that makes sense and so that's that's probably why they did it then you know they thought that was the case yeah but, but even then like it is a bit of an like, unforced error because you know you, you can get that know. pop but also it could work against you and you're everyone's gonna talk about it and then also people from nomadland are gonna be upset about it too you know what i mean like right it's, it's just like it's like a no-win scenario in my opinion yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, no, like I said, there was a huge, uh, you know, like a garbage truck on fire with this year's Oscars and stuff like that. And just to add insult to injury, uh, this final story comes from Variety, and it says here, the TV ratings for the Oscars plummet to a record low, down 58% compared to last year. <laughs> so... Uh, the per the Nielsen Live plus same day preliminary national numbers, an average of 9.85 million viewers tuned in on Sunday evening to watch a more intimate and stripped down version of the Oscars in the midst of a pandemic. That's 58.3% or 13.75 million viewers dropping off from last year's broadcast. The Academy's third host, third host list show in a row scored 1.9 ratings among adults 18 to 49 uh, in the fast national ratings a 64.2 percent dip from 2020 for comparison last year's uh, uh, ceremony garnered 5.3 i don't know what these numbers are but it's obviously a better number than this year's uh, 5.3 rating in the key demographic uh, and 23.6 million viewers per the night's time zone adjusted uh, fast national charts. The Oscars in 2019 delivered a 7.7 .7 rating <laughs> in adults uh, 18 to 49 and 29.6 million viewers. So, okay, basically 2019, 29.6 million viewers. 2020, a dip, 23.6 million viewers. And then 2021, single digits, 9.85 million viewers. You lost between 2020 and 2021 13.75 million less people tuned in to watch your your Oscars. Holy shit. What yeah. the fuck? Troy is do you have any analysis on these numbers like why the yeah. hell are, are we trending downward so badly? Well, uh real quick before I say that I do got to say, you know, like I said, they shouldn't have had the Oscars this year cuz it's going to be a 
It's an asterisk. Like it really is. Like no one cared about the Oscars this year. Like I, you know what I mean. I'm one of the biggest Oscar. Like I, around Oscar season, I'm waiting. I'm excited. You right, know what I mean. Right. And even I was like, I had a laissez-faire attitude about it. It was like whatever. You know what I mean. It's like and so that that is a bit of why it dipped that low for this particular year. Now. The reason why it's dipping is because they don't have a host that like you can't that doesn't listen. Having a host creates a level of of um, excitement for the Oscars. Right. Like just imagine, you know, like a few the years days back, of Billy Kevin, Crystal or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Like Kevin Hart was supposed to host it, you know, a couple years back. But then it was like that controversy. He had, he, had, he, did, he didn't end up doing it. But. Having like say Kevin Hart about to host the Oscars, that creates a lot of buzz for the Oscars. Like, oh man, Kevin Hart's gonna be ho- oh Chris Rock is gonna host it. Oh David Letterman is gonna host wh- whoever it is. It creates that buzz, and then you know it, it it helps the 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 viewing the viewership. In my opinion, that's number one. Number two, the Oscar the the producers have been dropping the ball recently in the in the last five years. They've just <laughs> been it's just been these kind of situ like it's been ridiculous stuff happening over and over for the last few years they've been dropping the ball you know the oscars either been boring it's been stupid stuff happening like this year not having a host just all this stuff is adding up you know it's adding up and they need to get it back together they need to have a good show that's fun get a host again and then hopefully have a good year of movies and then they'll be okay but if if they keep dropping the ball in terms of the production of the show and they keep not having a host, this is what the third year without a host. What are y'all thinking? Like literally, <laughs> what are y'all thinking? That's like they're so big on tradition. That's a tradition of the Oscars. Someone hosting the Oscars. Like how y'all go three years in a row? I can understand that first year because Kevin Hart backed out of it because y'all pissed him off. He backed out of it, so I was like, all right, we got to go without a host. But why would y'all do it that second year? And then why would y'all do it this third year? You know. Oh, oh my goodness, man. The Oscars are starting to be like the Golden Globes. They got to get it back together. Real <laughs> Holy shit. They got to get oh it back god. together. Oh my god. Damn. Oh, man, you're going to have to stop referring to them as the Oscars. You know? <laughs> I swear. They, they're going to stop being the Oscars, man, and be the Oscar. <laughs> Uh, that's a good way to end right there. I honestly don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, it's a ratings catastrophe. And uh, um, yeah, there's. I, I, I hope there's. I hope they hit rock bottom this year, to tell you the truth, because you can only go up from here. So yeah. it's like this better be the Mortal Kombat annihilation of the Oscars. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping like this to make them this be a wake up call, like a big wake up call where they're like, OK, we need to get this shit right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. Let's go ahead. Well, we're over an hour into the show and we're finally going to get onto the news. <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So in light of Oscars week, there was a bit of a slow news week. So I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel when it came to these uh, headlines. But you know what? We're going we're gonna to rock with it. So the first thing is uh, Captain America 4 got announced. So in the wake of like, I think it was like the same day the final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier dropped, the uh, Disney Marvel announced that Captain America 4 is greenlit. So uh, and it says here, uh, this comes from the Hollywood Reporter. And basically, the the same people that were behind uh, the you know the, the writers and producers of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they're coming back to helm the uh, the the new Captain America four film. So that's uh, pretty much the TLDR of this uh, particular news story because there really isn't a whole lot of uh, 
news per se because there's no details about you know when it's going to come out or what's the timeline you know things 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 like that uh, presumably that this is going to happen uh, in, in lieu of uh, um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier Season 2, or maybe that the movie happens, then Season 2 happens anyways, uh, something like that. But basically, we don't have a whole lot to go on other than we know that it's happening. So Captain America 4, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on that? Well, my big question is, like, is it going to be not the new Captain America, like the Falcon yeah, Captain America? Falcon, Falcon Captain America. Uh, okay, okay. Um. I don't know. I, this is one of the things I got to wait out and see. You know, I got to wait and see if I'm going to be on board with this um, or not. You know, uh, I, I do like the idea of the Falcon version of Winter Soldier. Be, I mean, the Falcon version of Captain America. Because I would have I would have hated them to just kind of oh make Steve Rogers just come back. Uh, I would have been I wouldn't have been on board with that. But the reason why I'm kind of like, eh about it, because it's captain america 4 but it's like it's a new captain america so how's it you know what i mean that's why i'm kind of iffy on it because it's like like how do you that's just like you remember um at the end of nolan's dark knight trilogy yeah. where like joseph gordon levin yeah. kind of took up the mantle that's like it being a batman 4 but him, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what i mean like i don't really see how that works really you well, know what i mean so i'm i'm, I'm kind of like i gotta wait and see on this i one. mean if you think about it you know sam was in captain america 2 and 3 you know what i mean uh sharon right. carter was in captain america 2 and 3 bucky was in captain america 1 2 and 3 you know what i mean so all yeah. of the players like your supporting cast are still you know they're still going to continue yeah. on with the story you know what i mean and not to mention you got like uh val like uh you know val or la contessa or whatever her name is you know she's yeah. coming in i'm um, presumably she's going to be in it and like you got uh you know, all these cast of characters, you know, being in it. So it feels like it makes sense. It feels like the through line, it can work. And not to mention, we know that uh, Chris Evans was signed to like a, this new contract, whatever. So I'm assuming what I'm thinking is uh, Chris Evans is going to show up as old man Cap and just officially like, you know, pass the baton, you know, like in film. See, I, I would I would I would be down with that. Like have it because i because to me it's still having steve right because at the end of the the reason why I, i'm not i'm iffy on that because it's steve rogers stories right like whoever the supporting cast is is fine that's fine but it's steve rogers trilogy it was his you know what i mean so for him to not show up at all and then it's a new captain america it's like that's where i'm like you know that's where i'm iffy you see what i mean now you you still had a supporting cast and all that if he shows up even as old man cap in the in the movie then i would be okay because i feel like all right it's like him passing down the story like him taking the you know the story and saying all right it's yours now sam like my story is your story you know you take the baton and go run with it then i'll feel more comfortable with it so but I would if say he's like, not in it at all that's where i feel a little weird about it i would say like in my personal viewpoint i would say bring him on for two scenes one for you know like the the pep talk at the beginning yeah. of the movie and one at the end of the movie where he just he's there you know celebrating a job well done like that's how yeah. i want to envision this uh is like you know just two scenes like he's there yeah for sure for like more that's support. all he really needs that's like he doesn't have to be a main player in the movie you know like two scenes that'll work as long as the two scenes are very good and the two scenes are impactful that's what matters yeah so hopefully uh i'm like for me personally i'm a little i'm a, I'm a little excited and stuff like that you know i having watched you know the falcon and the winter soldier and how much you know espionage is is has been happening and that the groundwork is there for more stories to tell you know what i mean like 
I, I, it would be a shame if these characters didn't come back and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't want to, you know, I want to see U.S. agent, you know, show up in other places. So my question is, is it like, are they going to do a, a Cap and Winter Soldier like season two? as well or are they That's just going to move on to the movie like I don't are know. they going to do I genuinely yeah, that, don't know like we know that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier like the the creative people behind the scenes uh are like the showrunners the producers and stuff like that are coming back to make the movie uh we don't know if they were just simply you know retconning or reworking their their plans for season 2 into Captain America 4 or if they're going to do both we don't know yeah i mean they were talking as if this was a limited like one season thing so that might be the case like it was just one season and then the movie come after so that might be what the what the deal is who knows yeah all right so the next story up here is uh um sony's um sony's out here making money okay like yeah, i'm gonna yeah. tell you this right now we covered a story yeah. i want to say like maybe one or two episodes ago uh where sony made a a, a one billion dollar netflix deal and now sony's out here taking disney's money too like they made a they tried a, they struck up another deal as well. Uh, we talked about how on Sony like they don't have like a they don't have a uh, like a Sony Plus. They don't have their own Netflix, and so they're like, all right, whatever. We're just gonna pimp out our content and to like you know you pay us and we'll give you our content and to your streaming service. And then Netflix was the highest bidder. They won out, and now they're giving Disney their sloppy seconds. So <laughs> that's gonna and making even more money that way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just to sort of TLDR this uh, the. So uh, Sony is doing the thing where like their new movies, their new releases, they're going to be on Netflix for 18 months. So like, um, let's say like Venom, you know, Venom is a Sony movie. Um, the after Venom comes out in theaters, after they do your, your like, you know, premium video on demand, whatever, what have you, after all of that's over and it's time to go to streaming service. Now it's on, now it's on Netflix for 18 months. And then after that 18 months is over, then it leaves Netflix. And now they're selling those streaming rights to that out, that post window to to Disney. So now Disney Plus can have stuff like Venom on there for three. Like I believe it's three years, or like there there really isn't any um, like concrete details. But most people or insiders are saying that it's going to be about that like that longer time frame. So basically, uh, uh, Disney is getting their second run of streaming stuff like that, like their second you know, play through because if you think about it, most, most new movies and stuff like that, they're really only hot for like a year and stuff like that. And then they yeah. sort of fizzle out, but now Disney plus is going to be able to like license it. Presumably, I don't know. Some people are saying it's going to, they said that they paid like $3 billion and stuff like that. But basically, uh, Disney's going to have like these library rights to like Spider-Man, Juman Jumanji, Hotel Transylvania, all these other stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting because number one, Disney plus has not licensed anything on it like everything that's on disney plus is owned by disney and this is gonna be the first time disney's actually paying for content which is crazy uh but well, what are your thoughts on this uh disney out here big balling here uh well sony's out here big balling no uh, oh, that's what i meant to say <laughs> yeah, yeah sony's uh, out here big so balling they're made, they're taking money from netflix and disney yeah I, I feel like sony this is one of the more more genius i think um deals like because listen everyone has a streaming service right and it's like we haven't since, since we're in the new wave of this whole streaming service war we haven't seen a lot of l's yet we haven't seen a lot of people you know bankrupt and it's it, but it's coming it's except coming. for except Be for uh that one was that what's that one uh quibi yeah they're the only quibi ones. Yeah, yeah right that was like one but even that no one even know what that is of course <laughs> that was gonna bankrupt but but like it, we, soon it's gonna happen. I don't know who whether it's gonna be Apple, Amazon, 
whoever like we're gonna start seeing at some point these streaming service take l's because every single studio or anyone that have rights to several of stuff they're trying to start their own streaming service and the reality is people aren't about to have 15 to 20 different streaming services it's just not <laughs> going to happen and even if you have something that's popular it'll make someone you know, maybe subscribe to your streaming service for the until that like show game or of thrones, that, like game of thrones ended and hbo just tanked you know and yeah, just yeah, tanked yeah. right exactly so at the end of the day these streaming services are going to start taking L. So for Sony to go, all right, instead of us, you know, joining this streaming service war where we got to put up billions of dollars to make shows to try to, you know, raise our brand and, you know, we have to like go toe to toe with Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO Max and all the let's just y'all rent pay out us. our shit. <laughs> y'all pay you us. <laughs> yeah, just pay us. Let you know, y'all could have our shit. Let's just rent out our shit. It's just it's smart. It's it's extremely it's it's re- it's very smart. You know, and uh, plus, it, I think it, Sony it, is like focusing on like PlayStation and stuff like that. Their their biggest money maker, like on their books, is on their like financial, like fiscal or uh, annual reports, is is Sony, like the brand. PlayStation yeah. is making them money, so it feels like it makes sense for them to like not worry about making a Sony Plus. You know what I mean? So right. Uh, and right. not to mention, it, they got cash flow. They're getting dump trucks of money just being backed up into their studios and stuff like that. So they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's just much smarter. What they're doing is much smarter than, you know, starting a Sony Plus or something. Even though they have shit like they have Spider Man, they have they have stuff. You know, they they really do. They have Venom and like they they do have stuff to where it could be justified if they did. But then you you know you're jumping right in this big war that um all these streaming services are gonna have so they're making they're you know came up with a way where they can make money without having to be in this war it's smart yeah uh i think that's a big w for sony uh yeah sony's out here like big balling smashing making their ends and stuff like that so uh yeah let's go ahead and move on to the next uh the final story of the news uh this week is actually going to be regarding the box office um, we don't really do a lot of box office stories and stuff because like their box has, the box office has been kind of like cold because of the COVID situation, but now it's starting to heat up because you know, Godzilla versus Kong, we talked about that. And now, um, you know, big movies, uh, big movies are starting to come out and things are looking like we're in blockbuster season kind of sort of, sort of. Um, and it says here on this, uh, this article, this comes from film AV club. It says it's been a few weeks since we checked, uh, checked in on the U S theatrical box office uh, returns and Holy cow, things have changed since Godzilla and Kong um, heralded the tentatively enthusiastic return of the American theaters. Well, some American theaters, not only did one movie make over $20 million this weekend, but another movie just made just a hair under that. Meaning that for the first time in weeks, if not months, two movies made relative good money while everything else basically made nothing instead of one movie making all uh, instead of one movie making all the money and then everything else falling off a cliff like Godzilla versus Kong it's uh, now it's sort of like you know sort of being spread out more it says here that the big winner was Mortal Kombat a movie that isn't very good in a traditional sense <sighs> shots fired those bastards okay <laughs> that's I, I, I don't I don't know I don't appreciate the shade sir I agree <laughs> <laughs> but it does feature Kung Lao killing someone with the razor brimmed hat which is very good it made 22 million dollars maintaining Warner Brothers fairly successful streak of simultaneous HBO Max and theatrical releases most of which have landed at the top of the box office and stayed there with little competition second place was the anime tie-in Demon Slayer the movie uh, Mugen Train which 
Finally opened in the U.S. Uh, after doing absolute bananas business internationally, it has made $365 million in Japan alone, uh, enough to unseat Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away, arguably one of the best animated, uh, fi uh, animated films ever made, as it's the biggest movie in history of that country. Um, hell, that's more than any movie in the U.S. has ever made in one year, over the year, sorry, excuse me, since the COVID situation. Um, and uh, But anyways, that being said, uh, basically, Demon Slayer, the movie, it it practically made $20 million. It made like 19 point something million dollars. And those were the two big winners of this weekend. And so it was an interesting, like they, we, we talked about last week during the new releases, how like, like, damn, man, this is a stacked week. Uh, it's kind of interesting that two movies with, uh, you know, two completely different fan bases, mind you, but they can, they can uh, simultaneously release on one weekend and not cannibalize each other. So, uh, what are your thoughts? And is the box office, uh, and finally, like, is this? Can we officially count the box offices back to life yet? Uh, we we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, it like this is just great news to me. You know, it's great news because it was a time last year, maybe around this time actually, where people were wondering if there, we would ever even see a movie in theaters again. Like it, it kind of like crazy just to think about that concept of like theaters not being a part of our reality in life. You know what I mean? Like even people that aren't big on movies, you still like going to the theater is a part of just natural culture in life, you know? And uh, we were questioning if that would ever even be, if that would be a thing anymore. And so now to fast forward to now and you're starting to see success in the box office, you know, it just shows that I don't think like I, like I predicted, um, it's not theaters and stuff. That's not going nowhere. You know, people, that's just a part of life. It's a part of culture. It's, it's what, uh, you know, people do on when, when they're bored, you know, go to the theater. And so seeing as much as I don't like mortal Kombat, <laughs> I want it to succeed. You know what I mean? Like just cause it's, I don't like it. I'm not like, Oh, I hope it bombs. No, I hope it makes a lot more money, you know? And I hope it's successful because, you know, it's, it's, it's helping the cause, as I like to say it, you know, of like getting these theaters back where everybody's going again. And, you know, we seeing billion dollar films and all of this other stuff. That's what I'm waiting on. And uh, we're getting there with, with Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat and all that. We're getting there. So, yeah, it just feels like it's a bit of a bummer that the next uh, hot, like blockbuster weekend isn't until like Memorial Day weekend, which is like the last weekend in May when I think it was. Uh, um, what was that Cruella and another movie, uh, the A Quiet Place Part Two? Those two movies yeah. come out yeah. and stuff like that. It's kind of like it feels like we're like we're losing that momentum. Like yeah, yeah, it is a bummer. We're because, losing that momentum. You know, Godzilla vs Kong with Mortal Kombat and all that. Like it, it you know, it's create like you said that momentum is like having people thinking about the theaters again, right? Whether they realize it or not, it had people like thinking about the theaters, right? So it is, but the thing is, that's not too bad. That's not too long. It's a month. Of, it's a know. whole 30 days. You know? It's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, that's not, that's not too bad. You know, it's not like we're going two or three months without a block, like a month. That's, that's pretty solid. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it, I, I do wish it was closer though. I wish it like where we could just bam, bam, one after another, one after another. I think it'd be better. But, yeah, you know, it is what it is. So uh, the article film, uh, finishes out. At this point, it feels like a letdown to even acknowledge the rest of the list. But let's just suck it up and talk about the losers. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? That's a terrible. Okay, 
Godzilla vs. Kong dropped 46%, which was still enough for $4 million, sitting at $86 million total for the U.S., which is really good uh, for the U.S. these days. Uh, at number four, followed by uh, Nobody at $1.8 million, which is at a total of $21 million. And at fifth place is Raya and the Last Dragon at $1.6 million, with a $39 million total. Uh, there's, uh, there's no signs of an Oscar bump yet, uh, with Nomadland uh, nowhere to be seen on the box office charts, but the father did make $73,000. Uh, before everyone on the internet got mad about Anthony Hopkins winning Best <laughs> Actor over Chadwick Boseman. Damn, this, these, whoever this writer is, his name is, okay, the writer is Sam Barsanti. Man, you're savage, man. This guy <laughs> writes like with like some, some like, I don't know, like, like a viper. He keep it real. Yeah, yeah he keep it <laughs> he, real. He like just throw, throws up some stings, some stings out there. He just, throw, I'm like, I, I appreciate it. Like, I like, there's some personality in this article and stuff like that, but also, damn, I don't agree with all your, with all your jabs, sir, but whatever. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. Uh, there's only six items, and most of this is all casting news, by the way. Uh, again, slow news week. Number one, Game of Thrones actress Amelia Clark has been cast in the Marvel Secret Invasion. Number two, Chris Hemsworth was cast in Mad Max Furiosa prequel. Number three, Michael Keaton is now officially confirmed for the role, uh, for a role in the Flash movie. Number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse adds three directors. Number five, Russell Crowe cast as Zeus in Thor, Love and Thunder. And number six, the Sub-Zero actor revealed that he's signed on for four more movies. Uh, so slim pickings here, Troy, but is there any headline that's grabbing your attention? Yeah, so I'm going to just go down the line because all these a bit interesting. Um, so, well, I'm going to start with number two. Um <laughs> Well, actually, no, I'm going to start with number three. Michael Keaton officially being confirmed. To me, like, listen, this lets me know that Michael Keaton is literally going to show up for, like, a scene. Because how <laughs> do you have a, like, honestly, like, how do you have a, a whole movie about to come out and, about, you know, they, they started pre-production, they already had a start date, all that, and one of the main characters not even signed on. You see what I'm like? That don't even make, like, what you do in that, in that situation in? You know, you just, what, push the movie back uh, and rewrite the whole movie? You see what I'm saying? So that lets me know he was only going to be in it for, like, one scene. Two and if he didn't sign, yeah. Yeah, one or two scenes. And if he didn't sign on, they would have just, you know, maybe edited it out or wrote it a bit different or something like that. You see what I'm saying? So Michael Keaton, I'm not as excited I'm still excited because him showing up is still dope, but I'm not like, you know, like if you see the poster that they released, they released a poster with like Flash and then they got Batman's, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman like right behind them and like they're going to be like teaming up throughout this movie, but that's not what's going to happen, I don't think, mm. you know, if Michael Keaton is just now like officially signing on, I I thought he'd been signed on, you know, until like a couple of weeks ago when it came out that he wasn't signed on yet and he was still like thinking about it. I was like, what? <laughs> he not signed on? What the hell? So he's he's only going to just expect him for like one one or two scenes max, you know, um, or whatever. But it'll still be cool to see, but he's not going to have the big role that people thought. Now, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse adding three directors. See, that's not as big of a deal as it seems because with animated movies, it's a bit different. Like you have directors directing the animation you got directors directing the voice actors like i think spider-man into the spider-verse one had several directors you see what i mean so in a movie like if it was like a regular blockbuster movie and they added that i'd be like whoa that nah that's too much <laughs> you too know that's too much going on too many cooks you know? in the kitchen right yeah it's too much cooks in the kitchen but with 
with animated movies, that's kind of how it works. You got like people. You can sort of like, uh, what's it called? Compartmentalize, you know, like. Right. And then you really, really the producers are directors in a way. Like they get the, you know, they hire the directors for each little thing and then they oversee it all. So it's like really the producers are somewhat of the directors for like animated movies and stuff. So that that's not really a big deal for me. I'm all right with that. Hopefully they're good directors and, you know, whatever. Now, Russell Crowe being cast as Zeus. That's dope. That's just dope. You know, Russell Crowe, great actor. Zeus showing up in in um in both Marvel uh, and DC, by the way, because Zeus Marvel is Marvel and DC. Because yeah, Zeus is not know, a Zeus was he's not was a, just a Justice League. So uh, Zeus uh, is not a copyrighted character. Is what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the things that's weird. I, I was I was always wondering when Zeus appeared. You know, in in Justice League, I was like, well, is Zeus like a DC character? Like he's he's a god. What that like? How no, do he's you, like how one of those work? Roman Greek gods or whatever like things. Like, yeah, just... but I guess he could show up. But then that makes me wonder: Can Loki show up in, well, in DC? Like, Thor and like, Loki, like those characters, like those are like myth archetypes and stuff like that. They're like part of public domain. So technically, uh, yes, they can be. They're just not going to be Marvel's okay. Marvel's Thor, yeah. you know? Right. So yeah, that, that I mean, but that's cool. So you know, Russell Crowe. Is playing a cool character in a cool movie, so I'm excited. I've been reading up about it, and it seems like to me that he's just there as a cameo because uh, Christian Bale is playing uh, uh, the, villain. the villain, and I forgot the name of his villain, but it's his 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 title is the God Butcher. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that means that presumably, if Russell Crowe is going to be there as a badass, you know, I'm Zeus, but then yeah. like Christian Bale's going to kill him, and then he's going to yeah. be the God Butcher. You know what I mean? So like that's what I'm. But see, I don't know because. Like that that sounds dope if they do that I'd be cool with it but Russell Crowe to me is too big of a name to just bring on to die like I don't think <laughs> hey, they did I that with think, Man of Steel okay so let me take well actually no well kinda, yeah but see kinda. well yeah but no nah, that was different because with Man of Steel he still had a big role in the movie like he died but he was still in the movie yeah. you see what I mean yeah. so it wasn't like he died at the beginning and then you don't see him no more you see what I mean so like Russell Crowe I just don't even think he'll sign on to a movie if they're like hey man we want you to come on a cameo you know get, get killed <laughs> right unless he's a cameo that's setting up another movie which that's what marvel does but i don't think he'll come in just for a little role you know what i mean so i think i'm not saying he's gonna be like a super have a big gigantic role but something like man of steel where he was just a little supporting character you know at least so that's how i think about it yeah. and uh sub-zero being revealed to sign on for four movies i mean i it kind of makes sense because a sub-zero is the most popular character in my opinion i i think i guess you know he's the most popular mortal Kombat character but also you already knew that they had plans on doing multiple um movies if it's successful so to me that just kind of confirms that they had plans for doing like a whole trilogy of these movies or even possibly more so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I think it's probably it's practically standard stuff uh, for contracts for these actors to be like committed to multiple films and stuff like that. Because if it's a success, then you don't want to have to renegotiate these terms and stuff like that. So I'm not really surprised. And plus, not to mention, everyone wants to make a cinematic universe anyways. So having a five movie deal is probably pretty much par for the course, I would say. And I could see them doing like a Sub Zero standalone or something in the future, or, yeah. or a prequel or something. And and I'm actually okay with that because Sub Zero is one of the characters I thought was dope in uh, Mortal Kombat, so I'll be cool. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Take this out. Not a whole lot of like big trailers coming out this week. Um, in the sort of like a little, a little like. Eh meh about it but here we go 
there was a fast uh, an F9 return to theaters trailer which had like Vin Diesel monologuing about you know the the movie theater experience and stuff. You know, I don't know who that deep voice. You know that? <laughs> Did you see that yeah. the return to theaters trailer that I'm talking about? Nah, nah, I didn't see it. Oh man, he's talking to the camera and talking about how like it's been <laughs> for you know it's a tradition for a hundred years and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And there's no new footage, by the way. It's the same footage that we've already seen before in previous trailers and stuff, like cut between oh, it. But okay. he's just driving on the open road, and he parks the car in the middle of the street, and then you know gets out the car and talks to the camera. Yeah, it's you know that's that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I figured I, I figured you would like it simply because you know he talks about you know the movie theater experience. I figured you would appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to check it out there. Next up is a teaser trailer for West Side Story. Did you see this? No, I did it. Oh my god. It's it's directed by Steven Spielberg. What? Yes. Whoa, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Why is it this on my radar? What the <laughs> hell is going on? Like Yo, I see West Side Story, I'm just like, Oh, another movie. Who cares really? You know, like hopefully it's good. But damn, a Spielberg? And it's like the look of it looks very like old timey, like it looks like kinda like modern nineteen sixties, like the oh, like it's like a film wow. grain aesthetic and stuff like that. It's like See, like, I'm like, sure I heard of this and then forgot about it or something. I mean, man, you, I don't... you know what West Side Story is, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, but with Spielberg directing, though. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure I heard about this, but forgot about it. But, yeah, it looks pretty dope. I'm checking it out right now. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so West Side Story, uh, it looks uh, it looks interesting. It definitely has that aesthetic uh, I will say uh, there's no uh, there's no dialogue in the uh, it's just a bunch of random shots and stuff like that and oh there's this really cool ass moment in the trailer where like these the characters are like walking up to each other and you can see the shadows that was a beautifully ass composed shot like damn cinematography is a one I will say yeah, that's Spielberg for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is actually Spielberg yeah okay next up is a trailer called Here Today and surprisingly this movie comes out uh, like next week or two weeks from now uh, like I believe it's like next Friday um, and it's starring uh, Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish that is a pairing that you never would have thought about. Yeah, I seen this one. I seen. I don't know why. What made me see this trailer? But yeah, I seen this one. Yeah. So uh, there we go. Uh, it's actually yeah. It, I was right. In theaters May seventh. That's literally next Friday. So we we will be reading the blurb for that during next week's new releases. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like, uh, it's um, I don't know. Like I've seen this Trust movie. Me. I've seen this trailer. Sorry, I've seen this trailer, and it feels it feels very I don't know like out there in my opinion. Um, trust me, be be ready to hear the bad reviews for this movie coming soon. <laughs> like, be, just trust, not like I, you know. Just, I, I'm not hating on this movie, but I said it here first. You said okay, all right. It's my prediction. Be like it feels like, reviews. like in my opinion, what's that? What's that? Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart movie? I can't remember what it's called. That's oh, well, he was in the wheelchair. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It feels uh, like this, but worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's what they were going for. But yeah, I think this movie is going to suck, honestly. And the next up is a trailer for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, a very interesting like little uh, beginning of the trailer where the guy is just walking on the street with like blood on his shirt and stuff like that. And yeah. then he turns around and he's like, I think I did something bad or whatever. So Hey, I actually, I actually would d dug this trailer, you know, because I, 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 I felt like they were, it felt like classic horror to me, you know what I mean? I don't think, I didn't feel like they were forcing anything, they just had, like, scary imagery, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like how you just said, the guy, you know, walking out with blood on him, like, that don't have really nothing to do with what you would think of Conjuring 4, but it's some scary shit, you see what I'm saying? So, 
I don't know. I, I'm kind of into it a little bit. Yeah, it's going to come out on June 4th on HBO Max and in theaters. And uh, there was this one line in the trailer that actually got me going thinking and stuff like that, where uh, I guess the defense that he's trying to say for him, like, you know, pleading his case is that he was possessed by a demon. And what's kind of interesting is, like, the characters are, like, sort of arguing that demons are real. Because if you think about it, they're, whenever they they, they uh, swear to tell the whole, the, tr- the whole truth and nothing but the truth and everything, they do it on a Bible. And they say, so help me God. And they said in their little thing is like, if we believe in God and heaven and everything, we also must believe in hell and demons and stuff yeah. like that. So or the devil. So like you have to like, that's a very interesting argument. That's really hard to like, whoa, okay, that's that's a good argument and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah just, a, just a little throwaway line. I don't know how that's going to really play. I don't think that's going to play like a big major part in the story. But that was a good you know, part of the trailer that sort of like, you know, oh, okay, yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Next up is a trailer called uh, Night Walk, and it stars Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts. And uh, it uh, comes out in digital on demand on June 15th. And it's uh, it looks kind of very, like, I don't know, generic as hell. But, uh, hey, there it is. It's Mickey Rourke. I haven't seen him in, in much of anything yeah. late, lately anyways. So, um, yeah, nothing really to say other than Mickey Rourke is in, is in prison and stuff like that and, you know, doing shady shit. So, <laughs> um, next up is going to be Summer of Soul. It's a documentary. It has uh, Questlove and uh, uh, Chris Rock and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, it's going to be in theaters and, 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 and on Hulu on July 2nd. Uh, it's like a documentary about uh, like uh, a concert um, in, ni- in 1960-something or whatever. So it doesn't I look- actually kind of want to see this one. I, I, uh, I didn't see the trailer, but I heard about this a while back, and uh, I'm, I actually want to see this one. Yeah, I saw this trailer. The trailer didn't really do anything to sell me on it, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, there's really not a whole lot that the trailer really does to, like, you know, intrigue me or, like, you know, hook me and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully, this is, like, this is a one-minute teaser trailer, by the way, so hopefully a full-blown, like, trailer trailer, like, a two-and-a-half-minute trailer will do better. Uh, but you know, when it comes to Hulu, like they're pretty much, it's pretty much like the Netflix route. You know, once it drops, it's you know that thing it drops. You don't really have to like market it too much. Yeah. Um, last one is Werewolves Within. Uh, it's a, uh, it's apparently it's based on a video game uh, that's you know owned by Ubisoft, um, and it's a whodunit horror thriller comedy. So it kind of reminds me of a bit of Knives Out. And uh, there's apparently there's a werewolf within them, among them, and the werewolf was killing them. And I like the way the trailer ends and stuff like that, where like the guy was just saying, "Hey, let's just all be like good neighbors to each other, like Mr. Rob- Mr. Rogers." And then somebody says, yeah. "But with guns, right?" And like, "Yeah, with guns." <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. Uh, it's gonna be in theaters June, June 25th and on demand on July 2nd. Um, yeah, those are the trailers, and all the links are gonna be in the show notes. Um, overall, it's kind of a bit of a mediocre week for trailers, in my opinion. Like, I'm not, like, really, like, you know, hung up on anything. But overall, there's something to talk about, though. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to Netflix and chill. All right, for Netflix and chill, we talk about the charts, about what's, uh, what people are watching on the streaming services. And then we also give a recommendation for uh, something to watch uh, on a streaming service. Starting off... We're going to talk about the top 10 things on Netflix. And as predicted, number one is Shadow and Bone. It's the hotness. And yeah, so I, yeah I, for sure. I want to watch it. It's only eight episodes, but, you know, it's time is a bitch. But hopefully I get around to watching it pretty soon uh, before, while, while people are, you know, still writing high about it. Uh, number two is Stowaway. Number three is Life in Technicolor with David Attenborough. Number four is The Baker and the Beauty. 
Number five is the, cir the circle, a social media competition. Now, I saw this on Twitter, by the way. Somebody was talking about the, the circle. And it's very interesting. Like, I actually saw, I went and, like, looked it up on, on Netflix and watched the trailer for it. Basically, it's like a, it's like a competition where uh, these people are all in, like, their own, like, little pods, like, their own, like, rooms and stuff in the studio kind of thing. And they're basically using, like, this uh, fictionalized, like, the producers or somebody, like, created a, a, uh, a, a social uh, a social media pro, uh, platform, kind of like Twitter or something like that, or Facebook. So they basically created a fake Facebook for the show, so that way the contestants can enter into these pods and create an account mm. within the within the thing, and they all interact with each other through the through the social media app. Hey, that's that's interesting, man. And Dang, so that's... they can decide whether or not to meet each other and to message. They can meet message each other and like and interact and like each other's posts and stuff like that. And what they do is, uh, uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to be the last man standing because they got they get eliminated week to week. And what happens is you um uh, you're tr you're some some people are trying to go for the catfish strategy where they give a fake profile picture like fake gender, fake age, and they're trying to like hustle these people. So. I've been seeing that, people. That sounds interesting, man. I might like really, honestly, cause check that out, man. Cause uh, that that sounds unique. That's what I be looking for. I look for stuff that I'm not used to seeing. Like it's so much shit that's just so cliche these days. Like I look for shit like that. That sounds cool. Yeah. So the reason why it's holding strong on the list, by the way, is because uh, it's the second season is airing. The whole first season's already on there. But apparently, what they do is they drop uh, new episodes week by week. But they do it like most people would like would drop new one episode at a time. Netflix drops three at a time because they're Netflix. So right, right. <laughs> um, I'm surprised they don't just drop it all at once. Like, I think they want to keep people talking about it and they keep people like coming back for more. So I think yeah. it works for them, especially because it's a reality competition. It's about who wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that I saw the trailer. I after watching the trailer, I almost started watching the first episode of season one. But I was like, Nah, I'm gonna get hooked. So I just did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds like something that I have you hooked or like you know stuck on it. So yeah, yeah. So I probably wait till the second season come out so that way I could like continue on. You know, what it I mean? says the dates by the way. If you look at the trailer, like season two, it tells you the dates of when the next drops are and when the final drop is. I think. Oh, the, okay, bet. I think the second season's gonna drop like next week or something like that it's going to final like the final episodes are going to come out because they do it like three at a time so um, oh okay yeah bit, bit, bit. number six is Coco Melon number seven is Synchronic number eight is Thunder Force number nine and number ten swap from last week uh, number nine is The Serpent and number ten is uh, Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, Don uh, they were in opposite places last week so that's the top ten on Netflix uh, you see this list and is there anything that you wanted to comment on Actually, kind of not really, because uh, <laughs> I mean we I mean we talked about the ones that were on there last week, of course, and then I'm not really too familiar with the new um, the new, except for what the the um, social media competition that you explained to me. Other than that, I'm really not too familiar with any of these other ones. So I mean, and Shadow and Bone, I want to see that Shadow and Bone. I, yeah, I, I for sure. That. For sure. That's that's what that's what I mean. I'm I'm gonna be uh, hype a uh, hook to that. So, but yeah, other than that, that's really about it. All right, so for iTunes, we actually have, uh, you know, iTunes is always Tenet really weird. Is back at number seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I the was hell, <laughs> man? That was gonna be my uh, my thing, my big reveal. Is Tenet is back in the top ten. I don't know if you know this, but Tenet did that Wonder Woman eighty four thing where like Tenet was being sold for twenty dollars, and now it's down to six dollars. 
And now yeah, because yeah. Tenet went down in price, people are buying it again. And buying so, it, yeah, I mean, that's really smart. That That's really smart. Like to make it expensive and then make it like uh, cheap. And then people were like, oh, it's a deal. Look, it was just 20. Let's buy it. You know? So, yeah, yeah. So was... I just think it's really hilarious that like, and now that, you know, it's run its course at the $20 value. Now it's like, okay, now we can go down to six. Um, yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's really interesting, man. You can't, you can't, you can't hold, you can't hold someone down. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't, yeah, you can't no, hold Christopher really. Nolan down. You can't get tenant. I mean, tenant gonna fight his way to stay in that top ten. <laughs> and number seven is tenant. So um, let's go ahead and go back to the the top ten on iTunes. Number one is Promising Young Woman, and number two is Nomadland. Those two are obviously riding high from the Oscars. Uh, number yeah. three of um, surprisingly, uh, number three and number five are just out of like seemingly random because I don't have an explanation as to why. But number three is Crimson Tide, and number five is Man on Fire. And Crimson Tide uh, came out in 1998, and it stars uh, Denzel Washington and is directed by Tony Scott. And the same thing is true about Man on Fire. It came out in 2004, and it's starring Denzel Washington and directed by Tony Scott. Yeah, that's weird. I wonder, like, what the hell did Tony Scott pass away, or like, what's going on here? Like, and and but and uh, Crimson Tide is a great movie. I, um, by the way, it's fantastic. I seen like the first fifteen minutes of Man on Fire, but I I don't remember why I didn't watch the rest. But uh, it's a great movie. But again, just like iTunes, that has some random shit on it. <laughs> Number five, Man on, Man on Fire. I actually watched that movie in theaters back in the day. It stars Denzel and Dakota Fanning. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it was a good movie. I remember. I have not personally seen Crimson Tide, to tell you the truth. But yeah, number four is the Tom Hanks movie News of the World. Number six is Wonder Woman eighty four. Number seven, the aforementioned Tenet. Number eight is Trigger Point. Number nine is Raya and the Last Dragon. And number ten is City of Lies. Now I know we've already done a lot of commentary already, but is there anything else left to say? Uh, Tenet is back again, of course. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is holding strong. It's staying right there in the mix, you know. Um, Raya and the Last Dragon. I think that's been on the top ten for a little while now, right? Yep, sure yeah, has. So that that that's uh that's staying strong. That it's a. I ain't gonna lie. It's some consistency on this iTunes list for once. I mean, of course we're gonna have some random shit like, <laughs> like always, but it's some consistency. Like the list overall looks like a top ten list. Yeah. Right? Next up is the Amazon video, uh, Amazon Prime video list, or actually not on Amazon Prime because Prime you get it for free. This is the stuff you pay for on Amazon. Uh, number Tom one, and Jerry. <laughs> number one is nobody. Number two is Tom and Jerry, which is up from number three because number two and what number the? three swap places. Last week it was the Courier. Now it's the Courier's at number but, three. But why though? Like- <laughs> Why is Tom and Jerry getting all this love? I don't know. Like, what the hell? Who the hell knows? Honestly, sometimes parents just want to, like, put something on for the kids. And Oh, yeah. Good know. point. Good point. Uh, number four is The Father, you know, from uh, – The Father has been Anthony on the – Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins' movie has been on this list for a while, so it's holding strong. I'm going to have to check. I, I don't know. I haven't seen The Father, but now I need to see it to see if he actually deserved to win or not. Yeah. Mm. Number five is Promising Young Woman. Number six is Chaos Walking. Number seven is Raya and the Last Dragon. Number eight is Minari. Number nine is The Crudes and New Age. And number 10, that Oscar bump, Nomadland. <laughs> Nomadland at number 10. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Oscar, Nomadland. Yeah. Man, that, that, you know that's getting all this love because of the Oscars because I don't think Nomadland been on 
like Nomad Land, I don't have it been on any other top tens previously. I don't think so. I, I think mean, it recently, has, I mean, it I'm has. Sure it, did. it has. We've oh, talked yeah. about it before, but it hasn't usually stayed. Uh, yeah. But what's really interesting is, by the way, I I want to I want to know if Nomad Land is like the lowest box office grossing uh, Oscar winner for best picture. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm sure it is because like, Nomad Land. Like, if you anybody that thought Roma or something was boring, watch Nomad Land. Like, <laughs> me personally, I I appreciate the movie for its cinema, like its fantastic filmmaking. So I, you know, I'm different from normal people, but like I could, I I can't see someone sitting through that or paying to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it made like three million dollars in the box office. So yeah. Um, I wonder like how much money that mummy that movie would have actually made if we were in a non-COVID era kind of situation. Like I wonder Probably if like it's fifteen or twenty. Yeah, I wonder if it's it'll like if even in a non-COVID era would it still have like the title of like the lowest grossing best picture winner? Yeah. Well, see, I, I mean, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat that as a big of an L as people making it out to be because these Oscar you know these like uh, Academy films like these you know art house films they're made for dirt cheap to make money even if it doesn't be that big of a box office hit you know what I mean like I'm sure if this movie made 15 or 20 million dollars that that would have been a success for this movie so with the COVID you know messing everything up it's very low you know box offices is gonna affect it you know okay my recommendation for the week is something that you can watch on hbo max right now it's a movie from back in the 90s starring keanu reeves and sandra bullock it made both of their careers it's called speed Mm, that's a good one yeah it's an action movie through and through man uh yeah i think that's like the start like the birth of the keanu reeves that we all know and love today um i think it's a must watch for people that are fans of just action movies in general i think that's like one of those kind of things that you have to sort of have checked off you know if you want to call yourself Mm -hmm. like a movie buff you know what i mean um i watched this so many times back in the day the villain villain was really good by the way um yeah so yeah my recommendation is speed go watch it uh go watch a cool action movie it's uh it's one of those uh i feel like I feel like this movie has been parodied in some way, like in in some form or fashion. You know what I mean? Like that speeding yeah, oh, bus. Yeah. Like I feel like it's been made into a trope. So yeah, yeah. I mean, cause that's famous. That plot of like not being able to stop the bus. Yeah. And all that shit, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's a damn fun movie. So yeah, for sure. All right. What's your recommendation for the week, Troy? Mine is just to sh- you know, since it's the Oscar whole you know Oscar weekend thing, it, I you know decided to go with Roma. Roma is a Netflix original and uh, it's a masterpiece. And uh, so, and I personally love the movie. I like uh, if I would do like a top ten list of the decade, it would be on the top ten. I don't know where, but it'll be on there. It's a truly masterful masterpiece and uh yeah so if you just like art house films and you like great films listen this movie isn't gonna you know have you jumping up and down right it's not a lot shit of shit going on but it's a great character film and uh masterfully masterfully directed okay all right let's go ahead and move on to the finish out the show with new releases let's all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Now, Troy, I got to first start off by saying that it's unfair to come up after last week's, like, jam-packed release, uh, release yeah, week. Yeah, I know, man. Because <laughs> last week, it was like, hit. 
these hits coming out. Yeah, Jeez. so, uh, yeah, that's... I, I just gotta say so, but you know what? I will. I will give it to. I'll give it this. Um, I'm a little torn on pick of the week, so we'll go mm. ahead and we'll go ahead and start off with number one. Uh, the first release is gonna be something called the Virtuoso, and it's coming out this weekend on Friday, April 30th. Um, it's unlimited release at theaters, but it's mostly. I'm pretty sure limited release means like New York and LA only. Uh, but it's gonna be on digital on demand, so you can like just pay for like on iTunes or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. So it says here, danger, deception, and murder descend upon a sleepy town when a professional assassin accepts a new assignment from his enigmatic boss. Given a cryptic clue, the place and the time, he must identify his mysterious mark among several possible targets. Uh, The film stars Anson Mount, Abby Cornish, David Morse, and Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> you talking about the Oscars and stuff like that? Yeah. They, they timed it? You think they timed it that way? Uh, nah, hell nah. That's a coincidence. <laughs> uh, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, he's uh, he's in this movie. And um, I have not seen anything. I've not seen any trailers for this movie at all. Uh, I've only seen the poster when researching for this show. But I know who Abby Cornish is. Um, she's done movies from back in the day. David Morse is yeah. like in everything. Like, you've seen his face. You know him. You may not know his name, yeah. but... You know, he, he he's he's a supporting actor in a lot of movies. So, yeah, I don't know who Anson Mount is, but, hey, look, this looks like an intriguing little spy thriller type situation. Yeah, for sure. I haven't heard of it, but, yeah, it sounds pretty dope. All right. Next up is Separation, uh, also uh, on April 30th, and it's coming out in theaters. It says here for the synopsis, a lonely little girl finds solace in her artist father and the ghost of her dead mother. Wait, what the fuck? Like, that's it? Like... Uh, okay, that, I mean, it sound, that just off that, it just don't even sound good. <laughs> that's like, like that feels like a like a tagline that you put in a poster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, like that, like that's like the smart. Like, unless it's one of them movies where like you can't give anything away, so you know, because it's a big twist or reveal. So it's like it got to be as vague as possible. It just sounds weak. It's a horror movie. I know that. I've seen the I've seen the poster as well. It's it look, clearly looks like a horror movie. Um, the film stars Rupert Friend, uh, Mamie uh, Gummer. Madeline Brewer, Violet McGraw, Simon Quarter, uh, Quarterman, and the only actor I know on this list, actually, no, the second actor I know on this list, Brian Cox. Uh, Brian Cox is like, again, a sort uh, he's like he's like David Morris. You've seen his face. You probably don't know his name, but he's been in a lot of movies. Uh, the only reason why I know who Rupert, Rupert Friend is is because he was the lead in um, the Hitman movie. He played, uh, uh, not, the, not the 2007 Hitman movie, but Agent 47. He was Agent 47. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, next up. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse uh, comes out this Friday, April 30th, on Amazon Prime Video. It says here, Seeking justice for the murder of his pregnant wife, an elite Navy SEAL uncovers a covert plot that threatens to engulf the United States and Russia in an all-out war. Based on the 1993 novel of the same name by Tom Clancy and a spinoff of the Jack Ryan film series. The film stars Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Bell, Jody Turner-Smith, Luke Mitchell, Jack Kessie, Brett Gelman, Coleman uh, Domingo, uh, Cam uh, Gigandet, and Guy Pierce. That's a bit of a, a strong cast there. I know. I ain't gonna lie, that cast is solid, bro. Like Guy Pierce, uh, you got Michael B. Jordan, Jamie God, Bell. Damn. I know who Jamie jo- Bell. Jody Turner Smith, like damn, <laughs> yeah, Bell in it, like jo- oh and, man. And Cam uh, Gigandet, he was the douchey uh, villain guy in Never Back Down, and he was also oh, okay. in the Twilight yeah. movies as well. 
Yeah, so usually when it's a good cast, it might mean this might be a right movie, so I might see what's up with that. And the last new release of the week is The Mitchells versus The Machines. It's out on Netflix this Friday on April 30th. The synopsis reads, Young Katie Mitchell embarks on a road trip with her proud parents, younger brother, and beloved dog to start her first year at film school. But their plans to bond as a family soon get interrupted when the world's electronic devices come to life to stage an uprising. With help from two friendly robots, the Mitchells must now come together to save one another and the planet from the new technological revolution. All right, so what do you think of the, the synopsis there? The synopsis sounds like it's pure fun. Yes. You know I mean? Oh, so. my God. There's more to, to this. Okay. Produced by Sony Pictures Animation and directed by Mike Rianda in his feature uh, film de uh, directorial debut with Phil Lord and Chris Miller serving as producers they're like the lego movies spider-man into the spider-verse you know they're 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 a1 uh, but of course i know i i know you don't really uh, give too much credit to producers by the way so you know whatever uh, somewhat i do but in a way it stars the voices of abby jacobson danny mcbride maya rudolph eric andre fred armison beck bennett conan o'brien charlene Yi, sashir zamata mike rianda the director and olivia coleman that's a pretty uh, dope-ass cast, by the way. Man, Conan O'Brien in this? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, the Mitchells, uh, and the, by the way, this is all extra stuff that I dug up from, yeah, from Wikipedia here, but I just wanted to add it on, uh, simply because I actually watched the trailer for this when researching the show, and this trailer, I watched this trailer back in 2019, and I'm like, holy shit, it's been like, it's been in like a, a, you know, not development hell, but in delay hell. Um, it says here, The Mitchells vs. The Machines was originally scheduled to be uh, theatrically released by Sony Pictures uh, in the U.S. back on January 10th, 2020, but was later de delayed to September 18th of that year. It was delayed again to, in Octo to October 23rd due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The film was later removed from the release schedule in October, though the film was still set to be uh, released later in 2020 at the time of the film's removal. On January 21st, Netflix uh, bought the worldwide distribution rights for the film, excluding China, for about $110 million. Two months later, on March 23rd, they announced that the film would be released on April 30th after a limited theatrical release on April 23rd. So apparently it came out last week in, in limited release. Uh, mm. By the way, separate side note, the title was uh, changed to Connected but was reverted back to the original title when it moved to Netflix. So Sony went What was to, the original title? Uh, the original title was The Mitchells versus The Machines. Oh, okay. And it, and it was changed to what? Connected. Oh, I see. Uh, so they were, they, Sony was going to change the title to Connected, and then they were going to release it in theaters, but then Netflix bought the rights, and then the director convinced Netflix to change the title back to The Mitchells versus The Machines. Ha-ha. <laughs> Uh, but by the way, I don't know if you had a chance, but uh, you should definitely walk, look look for this trailer because I've seen this trailer a long ass time ago, and I completely forgot that this movie even existed. And this movie looks fun. It looks like high octane, like like family fun. Like I I am so digging it. So like like, like it could be the next Star Wars or no no not like that. Nah, just kidding. Uh, nah, hell no. But <laughs> it's definitely one of those like you know like rush of like. You know, rush of blood, kind of like fun. Yeah, yeah, just like have a good time yeah. type of movie. Like think okay. like uh, like Disney's Bolts or something like that. I don't know. I, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Or no, better yet, I have a better one. Um, uh, what's that? Uh, Big Hero Six, kind of. Ooh, kind of okay, fun, okay, like that yeah. fun, like action adventure kind of. Yeah, like I fuck with Big Hero Six so, heavily. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I'm I'm torn. Uh, so 
My pick of the week is actually going to be uh, – I was originally going into this. I thought that my pick of the week was going to be Tom Clancy's Without Remorse because, like, you know, that's, like, the big hotness. It's the Michael B. Jordan action movie and all that stuff. But yeah. after watching the trailer for The Mitchells versus The Machines, I'm thinking that's going to be my pick of the week. I mean, like, both movies you really can't miss because they're both on streaming services. And I have Amazon Prime and I have Netflix. So I'm probably going to be watching both of them. But honestly, like, I am more, like, jazzed and more, like, you know, amped up to see The Mitchells versus The Machines. So. See, I, I, that's why I was kind of stuck because I want to, like, I want that to be my pick, but I I didn't see the, the, um, the trailer like you did so i'm kind of like uh I, I think i'm gonna go with the with the michael b like the um what's that one tom clancy's without remorse tom clancy's without remorse yeah i'm gonna go with that one just because i, I did see that the trailer to that and i do like the the uh cast so yeah, yeah badass but i'm gonna have to watch the uh the mitchell's versus the machines that's that's i mean i'm gonna have to check that out yeah that's just check out the trailer cool, man. man it's it's uh it's easy to find and uh like i said i watched this trailer back in 2019 i remember this trailer like they were advertising it because it was supposed to come out in january of 2020 and uh yeah. it got delayed for i don't even know why they delayed Damn, it that's a long ass delay <laughs> like it was supposed to come out january like around time bad boys 3 came out yeah. God damn, man. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna have to check that out. I mean, if Netflix bought it for a hundred and some million dollars, they must think it's badass. So I'm gonna have to check it out. What's kind of interesting? Wait, is it animation? Yeah, it's an animated it... movie. It's a CGI. Oh, okay. But it's okay, like, like okay. Big Hero Six kind of think. Bureau. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Um. So what I was gonna say is, um, the reason why I was thinking like they should have released is because like in January of 2020 had nothing to do with COVID. They just Sony decided to like delay it to the <laughs> to September, but then COVID yeah. happened, and I'm like, you you done fucked up. So yeah, yeah, they could have released it, and then you know, like actually like uh Bad Boys Three, Bo- yeah. Bad Boys Three, yeah, they made all this money before COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, with that with that being said, let's go ahead and end the show. And uh, now. The end is near, and so I face the final curtain. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. At Bracey Troy 58 Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.